you go. Oh no, I think that's a very bad idea. <laughs> okay. That's a, that's a bit, what is what is the bad part of the idea? Oh, I think if, if I was gonna if I was gonna start, I'd just I'd just do, do, do like that for a while. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Maybe that could be the thing. Yeah. The thing. World's first all stuttering podcast. He's a former US Marine and stockbroker who becomes a civilian history professor. He then later joins the Central Intelligence Agency, CIA, as an analyst and occasional field officer, eventually becoming deputy director. He laterly served as national security advisor and vice president before becoming president of the United States. In, in which Jack Ryan timeline is... He oh. went on to serve two non-consecutive terms. So he was president... Twice. Okay. Films. Oh, oh right. Harrison that's, Ford. That's what it was. It is. Okay. No, we can't go too deep into Jack Ryan. So why don't you like John Krasinski? Like, yeah. Do you ever think that he said about like how he praised the CIA every night before he goes to bed? I did not hear that. Yeah. That's a you, pretty fucked up thing. Yeah. Yeah. He. Yeah. When he. For when he, Jim from the office. Yeah. To when, say, when he was fucking doing press for whatever for they Jack meant Ryan, when they made it, the fact about, like, that people started real fight clubs. Should really give Edward Bradley and David pause, you know. Uh, I, I can't remember who it was. It was some like online conservative guy who was like tweeting a lot last year about how like he's like, oh, oh making remake all news of women these days. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah, they couldn't remake Flat Club of women because women couldn't stop what you're talking about, you know. <laughs> and I mean, all the people in the comments are just like. Like the whole point of Fight Club is that everyone talks about it. That's how more people get to know about the Fight Club. <laughs> yeah. Like they can't stop talking about it. Yeah, that's the, the point of a movie, you moron. The all woman remake of Fight Club, which I'm going to pitch, and it's called <laughs> Stitch and Bitch. I think is much better. You know, and mm. it, it starts as a book club that gets out of hand. <laughs> And then you've got, let's say, Melissa McCarthy necking a whole bottle of wine, smashing it, and then diving it like lively. Who's Brad Pitt in this scenario? <laughs> I think that's a much better film. And I like Fight Club. Yeah. It's easily... It's a, it's a fun romp. A fun romp. I like, you know, some good good use of Jared Leto before Jared <laughs> Leto was there just to be a stain on otherwise perfect films. Yeah. It's got, it's got Meatloaf. Oh, yeah. yeah. Meatloaf before... Is he a... 9-11 truther? No, he, he's, he's, just a, he's just a Republican. Jesus. I mean, someone in Rocky Horror had to go hard right wing, right? So, shite and sound. It's, it's a, a podcast. It's this podcast that's occurring right now. My name is Euthydean. What's your name? My name is Finn Nicholas. Okay, now we should introduce ourselves. So let's go around the circle, say our name, and then something we like that begins with the same letter as our name. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> no. I thought you were going to go with film. It would be oh, a good way into the subject. That, that would have been a very good way to do it. Let, let's let's do that. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm Phil Nicholas, and a thing that I like that begins with letter F is film. My name's Ethan Dean, and uh, a thing I like that starts with the letter U is unicorn, more specifically the miniseries Mobile Suit Gundam colon Unicorn. <laughs> I just love what it shows us about the early days of the Universal Century. And what is that? Lots, lots of robot stuff. Well, the mechs. Okay. They're, they're, I'm well, sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. People, they're Gundam. Gundam is its own designation. <laughs> As you know, gun, Gundam, the combination of the terms gun and freedom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Yeah. Oh, God. Um, anyway, that's, that's the thing I like. This is shite and sound. A podcast where we, every week... 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got nothing else on. <laughs> it's a podcast where every week we watch one film from the Sight and Sound top 100 films of all time, and we pair it with a uh, a bad film uh, <laughs> or a film we think is going to be yeah, bad. a film we think is going to be bad, a film we've got bad critical reception yeah. that is in some way related to it, whether it is narratively similar, thematically similar, just from the same country by yeah. the same director, or stars on the same actors. So this week we watched a brilliant film. We watched one of one of the masterpieces of French cinema, and also the earring. <laughs> of Madame de. It's in the title, right? This is where we say that. It's in the title. You know, we. The earrings of Madame de. Ellipsis. Brackets 1953. And the Pink Panther. No, not that one. <laughs> not that the, one. The, the, the 2006 Pink Panther starring Stephen Martin, <laughs> Clive Owen, and Scott Adkins. <laughs> the world's greatest martial arts superstar. I feel like you're giving real short trip to Kevin Klein, the secret star of this film. Yeah, but I, I don't I don't care about Kevin Klein as much as I care about Scott Adkins, the world's greatest <laughs> martial arts superstar. I would call Kevin Klein my Scott Adkins. Because <laughs> I just love him in anything. Dave, Wild Wild West. Those are the two films as far as I know he's been in. I I don't know if I've ever seen another Kevin Klein film. Uh, a Fish Called Wanda? Never seen Fierce it. Fierce Creatures? Nope. Oh. He's done some serious ones, right? Oh, almost definitely. He's a he's, he's a major star. He seems serious. I feel like him and Steve Martin behind closed doors are the same person. Art collector. Just just a lot of banjo playing. <laughs> Fuck, that's right. I forgot about the banjo. How can you forget about the main thing that Steve Martin does? Because I just watched Steve Martin for ninety three consecutive minutes <laughs> and he not... didn't play a single banjo. <laughs> well, he did every. Th- other human thing. <laughs> this is a film in which he commits multiple murders, disguises himself as, as a, a drapery. <laughs> but we're getting ahead of ourselves. The point of this is to do a proper cross-section of all film to find which ones are shite and, and which, which ones, ones are sound. sound. Yeah. So should we start with the sight and sound film? Should we start with yeah, Ma- I mean, Madame It's probably best to start with a film that's like worth watching. Right? <laughs> well, so the Pink Panther. <laughs> um, never going to get tired of that. I mean, there is a value to watching the I Pink Panther. I mean, like, Panther. It's, it's definitely not the worst movie I've ever seen. It was, it was better than I thought it was going to be. I mean, yeah, but you have made a point throughout your life of watching films that I would say border on self-abuse. <laughs> <laughs> Look, have, have I watched a, a six-hour-long Filipino slow cinema movie about fascism? Yes. But that could be good. Oh, no, it's, it's, ex- not... it's excellent, oh, but like, yeah. no one should watch it. So, wait, you're saying that fascism is excellent, is what the, the thing Yeah, that, that's, that's exactly the message I want to give out in this podcast. <laughs> you know, have you ever realised that there is a dark part of you that you have to face and embrace? I mean, constantly. <laughs> The dark part of me is like, I understand how vile Grimes is at this point. Yeah. And that she's actually... Complicit. Well, no, and also, like, she's always been a libertarian. Like, every, looking at her work, she's always been like this. Right. This bizarre, pointless, deliberately naive kind of pseudo-fascist. But... Misanthropocene, her album from this year is still my album of the year. Like, that is the dark part of me. Like, it's, it's still fucking tight. <laughs> like, I love that album. Like, this is what, before we get into Madame D, we should look up Maxophils and check that, you know, how much, how many pe- how many killings does he have? Oh, okay. okay, yep. Good. Dope. For the listeners, Max and his family fled from Germany to France when the Reichstag burned down. Yeah. So they're not Nazis. (laughs) It's just the check we got to do before every film. Nazi question mark. 
Oh, I've already done a check for a couple of episodes of Hit. I know Rain and Werner Fastbinder, not a Nazi, not a fascist of any sort. Well, that's what he'd want us to think. I mean, his, his entire career was like about like making like Brechtian-inspired like communist films. Yeah. He, he he was also quite, quite abusive to his, his girlfriend. And like Brecht had several wives <laughs> and was making them write his plays for him. Oh, really? Yeah, no. He, we'll fun. we'll get on that <laughs> on on my bitterness towards Brecht, a man <laughs> whose work I both love, hate, and fear. I was Mac the Knife once. Really? In a production of Thrupenny Opera. That's when I discovered I could not sing. <laughs> they brought a singing tutor in, this was in high school, and was like, I can teach anyone to sing. And so I sang for him, and he said, I can teach anyone but you. <laughs> Genuinely. That's some trauma. That's another bun. Okay, so. Madame De, or the earrings of Madame De. The version yeah. we saw, the Criterion version, it's just Madame ellipses. That's, it begins with credits. I know. A, that, bu- a bunch of French names. This is how we know that it's a film that was not only made in the past, but is set even further in the past. This is made much clear when we get some horse carriage road rage, but we start a woman whose surname we'll never know. We've got to deal with that. The Countess, we'll call her. Mm-hmm. Do we have her, her first name is Lu- Louise, right? Louisa? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Possibly Louisa. Her name is Louise, but it is also the name of the woman who wrote the novel. Does that mean anything? No. No. But we start, she's searching through all her many, many closets of full of fine things. She, she, she's, she's looking for, for anything that, that she can sell. Yeah. She's, she's got... Too too much stuff. I think yeah. we I think we can both agree. Yeah, no, uh, she, she has too many possessions. It begins with the kind of opulent tracking shot through many beautiful French possessions that seems made to radicalize people to ISIS. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's that's what the whole movie is about. Is it like it's a movie about how these people are dumb and shallow, and all their possessions are ultimately meaningless. Or counterpoint, or it's a film about how women be crazy. Uh, it might be. It could be both. Having looked through all of it, she's looking through her jewelry box, and she finds she considers her her the, a, her, di- a, her diamond cross her the diamond most cross. Christian thing you can own. <laughs> the, the, the more expensive your cross is, the more religious you are. I think. Yeah. I think that's what we've learned from history. There was also, there was also a fancy Bible, and she mm-hmm. takes it to uh, a jeweler. Just a bit part. We'll never see him again. <laughs> Um, and it's like, I am in a lot of debt. And he, which we, we, we never hear about after the scene, right? Yeah. Well, cause she's like, I always spend too much. And the jeweler's like, not too much. <laughs> which, ne- never too much. This was at the point where I realized that as a millennial, I could never relate to the film <laughs> because having an open discussion with anyone about the amount of debt I am, <laughs> the very thought of that caused my blood pressure to explode. So she, she, she goes to, to this jeweler to, to sell her, her diamond earrings, which are given to her by her husband as a wedding gift. Yeah. And because this is the most expensive thing she owns, and she's but got she to get also out of doesn't care about them. Yeah, she's chosen them as the thing she cares about the least. Yeah, but then the jeweler is like, "So what are you going to? How are you going to explain the disappearance of these earrings?" And she's like, ah. "These incredibly unique, one of a kind earrings." Yeah, I, and she goes, "There's no. I've got a plan. I'm, I'm a. I'm a master of deception. Yeah." I've, I've got a million schemes. <laughs> this, this fool's never, never going to know what hit him. Yeah, and so goes to her husband, the Count, who is a man who kind of looks like someone faintly misremembering peak era Robert De Niro. He, 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 he looks like the scenes in Citizen Kane, but whereas Kane yep. is just old and sad. He is, yeah, he, he looks like old Orson Welles when that was a good thing. He, yeah, he, he looks like young Orson Welles imagining old Orson Welles. Yeah. 
they're at the opera. This is the most opera negative French film I've ever seen because there, there, everyone there was, is asleep or annoyed. Yeah, there was there was so little respect paid to the opera. They're, they're just they're just talking through it mostly, which is which is fun. Just, if, if my if my granddad saw this movie, he gets so mad. <laughs> she just casually leans back mid aria. Oh. And goes, oh, I just, I've lost my earrings. She just sort of like, just waves a hand past her ear and is like, oh, my earring's gone. Yeah. What could have ever happened to us? And I think, in this moment, I thought she's selling it. I thought it was ready for him to be yeah. like, meh. But immediately the Count is like, no, you weren't wearing them. I noticed. I talked to Friedrich. Friedrich noticed yeah. you weren't wearing T- turns them. Turns out everyone's incredibly perceptive <laughs> in this movie. And she's not as good a deceiver as she thinks she is. And yeah, immediately calls her bluff. He is searching the whole place. This is when we learn he has a sword. Just hanging up on a coat rack. Can't wait for the sword At, to at come the opera. Back. He yeah. brought the sword to the opera with him. This is the point where he spends about 30 seconds searching a scarf. <laughs> he, he takes a scarf off of the coat rack and just... Just sort of like runs his hands along the entire scarf. Yeah. It's a see-through scarf. Yeah. And it's like he, he just has to look through every inch of this piece of lace to try and find it. And that's his whole inspection of the coat rack. So many other places. There are so many pockets on coats there. He doesn't yeah. look for a single one. He goes to search in the car. Carriage. The carriage, right? There are horses uh, and he can't find that. And a guy walks past and is like, what are you doing? And the count is like... Remember, you owe me 15,000 francs? Yeah. That never comes up. It, it just Don't like, worry about it. Well, it's just like everyone, every single rich person in France is just in debt to all the other rich people. Oh, yeah. That, is, is that still true now? I don't oh, know. The Count is fucking searching everywhere for these he, things. At this point, he, he reveals himself not to be like that bad a guy. You you, you kind of think like, oh, there's a Count. He's a, he's a husband of his woman. He's, he's yeah. going gonna to be a real stinker. I mean, immediately he's like, no, I'm going to go look for your earrings. I'm, I'm, I'm going to spend my entire night just like trying to find them. Yeah. After I get home from the opera, after we've looked through the whole house, the, the, the two of them are in bed, but because they're rich people in the early 20th century, they are in different beds in different rooms. Yeah. They're just shouting at each other through a hallway, just screaming a conversation about whether or not she's annoyed that she's lost her earring. And, and of course, and, he gets into bed. He gets into bed to, to read his newspaper, and he just he just puts on a monocle. Yeah, no, the best moment of the film. <laughs> Incredible moment. Imagine you put in your pajamas. Yeah. You've brushed your teeth. Yeah. You've you've done everything you need to do. Your just night like get, get, get rid of the stresses of the day. Yeah. You get into bed, you put on a monocle. It's the only... Th- I feel like when people say things used to be better, I think they are specifically referring to putting on monocles when you get in bed. Oh, I wonder where these earrings are. And then he sits down and puts on the monocle and is like, now I'm evil. <laughs> <laughs> because the next morning, smash cut... <laughs> <laughs> a headline in the newspaper jewelry stolen at opera which seems like fast work by the press yeah. but he is like the local general of the military yeah and i, I think yeah. that like he, he like he like informed the, the, the police that that his wife's earrings were, yeah. were missing and who's this but Day Player the Jeweler back in the game? He turns up at the Count's house and says, I saw in the no, he, he turns up. He turns up at, 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 at the army barracks. Oh, yeah. They, yeah. This is where I am blind to different rooms. I can't, if yeah, you ask me, this all took place in one room. Yeah. This is a very good movie, but it doesn't do an amazing job of like, differentiating between locations. Yeah. This film could be room to me. Yeah. There's it, nothing, could be, it could be locks on Tom Hardy. I mean, there is one major reason why it's not, and that's because phones had not yet been invented. Or cars. And was Olivia Coleman even alive at this point? No. Andrew Scott definitely wasn't. <laughs> Tom Hardy might. Is Tom Hardy 50? No. No, Maybe? but also this movie is 70 years old. Okay, okay. 
Just give me a guess. How old is Tom Hardy? I'd say Tom Hardy's 40. 42. Okay. Oh, it's his birthday. Today? No, oh. and, and, and 15th of September. Um, <laughs> uh, that's it. His dad's name, his... No, no, we, we can't get into what Tom Hardy's dad's name is. It's Chips. <laughs> okay. So the jeweler comes along to, to this, the one room that the film takes place in. And he's like, hey, Mr. General, got, 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 some, got some sort of weird news for you. Uh, I, I, I know you bought these very expensive earrings from me several years ago when you married your wife. Yeah. Um, I've got them again. Yeah. Your, your wife sold them to me. Yeah. Uh, do you want to buy them off me again? And the general's like, yeah, yeah, sure. But then you can really see him putting on his inner monocle yeah. to be like, well, I have a scheme now. <laughs> so he's got the earrings back. And then uh, the next scene, he's, he's, he's at the train station with a woman who is apparently his mistress, who yeah, we've never seen before. Yeah, Lola. Lola. Uh, who, he, he's sending her away. Yeah, on the train to... Constantinople. Not Istanbul? No. I thought it was Morocco, uh, but it's Constantinople. Oh, but, okay, no, that's what you're doing. <laughs> no, no, cool. Okay, no, no, absolutely. I should have realised that's a bit you were doing, and I apologise. I just want to get to what even old New York was once New Amsterdam. Uh, Amsterdam doesn't matter. Mm. Um, anyway, so he, he's, he's, he's I keep he's, looking at the Wikipedia page for Chips Hardy. <laughs> so the general is, put, is putting his mistress on a train to, to Constantinople. Yeah, Lola, Lola, yeah. and he he gives her he gives her his wife's earrings as as a, as a parting gift. He's quite sly about it. Yeah, uh, at this point, I was like, oh, okay, he's, guess he's not a great husband. Yeah, because no. because this is a French movie, and all men in French movie are philanderers. I mean, everyone. Let's not just. I feel yeah. like there's a lot of. I mean, but like, it takes two to ten. Well, so, so for French French movies, like, it, yes, everyone in French movies is cheating on their spouse, but it only yeah. justifies it when it's men. Yeah. Oh, true. Uh, I mean, like, for French movies are like this. This movie never judges the husband for, for cheating on his wife, really. But it, but it does judge for the wife for cheating on her husband. Does I would say it's the other. My read was that it was judging the husband, not the wife. So. Luckily, you know, the earrings safe with Lola. Hope she isn't a gambling addict. Oh, no. Movie's over. No more problems. (laughs) Yeah, credits roll again. Second set of credits. Crazy. But no. Constantinople. Uh, Apparently it's the the number one gambling hotspot of of Eurasia at the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, It used to be Istanbul, but now it's Constantinople. Um, It's the other way around. I know. (laughs) I'm sorry. And so Um, she, she immediately, as soon as she gets to Constantinople, she... She loses all the money at the roulette table by betting on 13. <laughs> yeah. It's a lucky numbers, 13. Yeah, which is the the dumbest. Like, even if you don't believe in luck, don't vote on 13. And don't don't, don't, just, on don't 13. just keep putting it on 13. You've already lost all your money on it. Yeah, all the money's gone. So she goes, she pawns the earrings and gambles and loses that money. And it's like, and, then, a- and then she's never seen again. Yeah, no, she's. Then now, now that she's poor, she's of no interest to this film about rich people. That is true. I mean. Oh, that's there, 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 there's one poor person in the movie, and that's the woman who like works like for like living mother. Oh yeah, for, for <laughs> nanny, nanny they call her, uh, who has the hardest life in the film by quite a wide margin. Um, and so then it's essentially a big uh, a parade of balls, right? Yeah, we, we introduce to like yet yet another main character. Oh, that's right, the ambassador, Ambassador Donati. Oh, right. Is, is he played by is he played by Vittorio De Sica? Or is he or is Vittorio because Vittorio De Sica's name is in the credits and I couldn't tell what his involvement yes. was. Okay. Cause Vittorio De Sica, great. Yeah. Big fan of that guy. 
He wrote, and he directed one of my favorite movies of all time, Bicycle Thieves. Yeah. Which, if this podcast continues, we'll be doing it in about two years' time. The Bicycle bicycle Thieves. Oh, not The Bicycle Thief. No, Bicycle Thieves. Oh, wow. So we're going to get to two trike theft-based films. I'm going to have to save all my BMX puns. I don't have any oh, BMX puns. We, I'm we so should do sorry. BMX Bandits for one of those episodes. BMX Bandits. <laughs> Yeah. Or the video game BMX Triple X, where you did BMX. We played Zander Cage. <laughs> it's worse than that. <laughs> but you did bike stunts, and you rewarded with softcore pornography. <laughs> there, there was a weird like period in video games where that was like the thing. Yeah, I feel like we just don't see it, but that still exists. Oh, yeah, but I think all, all those video games only exist now as like pop ups on porn sites. And then they're not softcore anymore. Yeah, I mean, yeah. They, but still, it was. I just remember seeing BMX Triple X and being like an R eighteen video game, but for six. Um, yeah, like, like it, it doesn't. All, all of the Witcher games do that. True. Yeah, I've not got to six in the Witcher. I'm still just picking plants mainly. So what I do in most video games, I'm like, what is the plant simulation? And like, I want to collect some tulips. Yeah, just start starting a new World of Warcraft character, just leveling up a little herbalism straight away. Oh, absolutely! Oh. You know, I'm deep into that world of Warcraft. Warcraft yeah. Does it? What is its name? It's like Agiria or something like that. Azeroth. That's right. Yeah. I'm very upset that you knew that. Look, I've I've wasted a lot of my life on that game. So what did you play? Tell me about who were you. <laughs> So I, I mainly played orc hunters. So an orc who hunts? Well, I was an orc. My class was hunter. Yeah, okay. Yeah. But no, you weren't like Jonathan Human. Oh, no, I, right, yes, no, sorry. I wasn't someone who hunted orcs. I was an orc who hunted, yes. Oh, yeah. Why? I, I'm a big fan of bows and arrows, just like <laughs> Kevin from the movie. We need to talk about Kevin. Yeah, that is the first descriptor I'd give him. Big fan of archery. I mean, that's, that is one of the defining characteristics I mean, yeah, psychopath, letter opener, um, and uh, archerist. Yeah. Archerist? Yeah, let's go with that. Um, so I, I like playing hunters because, like, you, you don't have to, like, be around a lot of other people. You just sort of strike out on your own. In, 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 this, in this massively multiplayer online game, I spent as much time as possible away from other people. Yeah, why did why play it at all? You know there are other video games that don't have the not, M not, not or the M or the O. Yeah, but I like the big world. You know? Oh, yeah, so you like the RPG part of it. If only yeah. there were people were making games that were just that. Yep. Apparently not. No. I've never heard of any of them. Sorry, so you're still, I presume you're still clocking in 10, 12 hours a day into Azeroth? Oh, I, I lost the entirety of year 12 of high school to, to World of Warcraft, mm. and then I ran out of money and couldn't keep paying for the for the subscription, and that's the only reason I stopped. Oh, that, okay. So, and, and that's part of the reason why I have never had a job, because I know that I will start <laughs> playing World of Warcraft again, and it will ruin me. Yep, okay, that's your excuse. <laughs> it's one, it's one of many. <laughs> That and just the economy, you know. <laughs> yeah. Who wants to get into work when there's worlds to Warcraft? Uh, I don't know. Did you ever? Are you in like Hearthstone now? No. Uh, I, 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 so dismissive for a man no. who spent year twelve as an orc hunter. Look, I, I only play card games in real life with real cards. N- none, none of that bloody digital Hearthstone garbage. Okay, so you're more magic. More, more of a Yu-Gi-Oh! <laughs> ah, well, you're no. a, a Yu-Gi-Ist. A Yu-Gi-ist. Anyway, so, so the ambassador, ambassador enters. Yeah, he arrives at the airport. He's paying customs. In and, 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 and Basel in, Swiss, in Switzerland? Yeah. Which we, we don't... 
we never we we don't find out that this is at customs in Basel until like forty minutes later when yeah. they're not there. But uh, so he, he's at he's at customs. He's he's bought these earrings while he was in Constantinople, not yeah. knowing who they belong to. And now he's passed through customs. He he sees he sees Louisa Louise. Uh, he see, he sees Louise, and he's like, oh. That's an attractive woman. I'll stare at her for a while as she passes through customs. Yeah, and he yells at her not to go anywhere. Yeah. Which is just the opening chimes of romance that everyone likes, you know? I cannot comment. Uh, And that's immediately followed by the big action set piece of the film. A couple weeks later, they're, they're, they're they're both back in France, and they're... Just by, just by just by happenstance, the two carriages are passing each other on the street, and one of one of their carriage drivers, is a bit of, bit of a klutz, <laughs> and the, the carriages end up mildly colliding. Yeah, it it is the lowest stakes car chase since, oh, maybe a toddler playing <laughs> with micro machines. It is. It is like imagine a standard piece of driving it, it, in slow lo- motion. It's the lowest X car chase since like the, the opening of Speed Racer, where Speed's like a little kid and he's he's driving the imaginary car. It is. It is this, and in many ways, I can feel the flavor of Speed Racer. Speed Racer, a genuinely good film. What, the Wachowskis have not made a bad film. I'm just going to say it. Yeah, there is a big asterisk next to Cloud Atlas, but. Speed Racer. Speed Racer. Definitely my favourite film, which had animal abuse on set. Oh, no. Oh, oh, Phil, the chimpanzee stuff. They were so mean to that chimpanzee. I know, but still good. It's a good performance. (laughs) They got a good performance out of that chimpanzee. Oh, no, don't say that. I'm going to blackmail you with that. I'm going to do it. It's like Stanley Kubrick directing Shelley Duvall in the the show. (laughs) You know, he he might have been a bit mean. (laughs) <laughs> but it, no, but, but no, no, I'm stopping. I'm stopping now. Good. I'm. I'm glad that when I turn evil, I now can <laughs> control you from afar with this audio information. They're, they're two carriages. They're two carriages bash into each other, and he he gets out of his carriage quite gallantly to to check on this woman to see if yeah. she's okay. And he's like, "Oh, you're you're the woman I, I shouted at in Switzerland two weeks ago." And she's like, "Oh yes, I remember you. You were wearing a plaid suit with a, a silk cravat." Yeah. He's like, "Yes, I was." <laughs> and they instantly fall in love, basically. Yeah. And then, like, her carriage starts to pull away, and he's like, "Oh, but I don't even know your name." And she's like, "I'm Madame Dur." <laughs> yeah. And, and beginning and the hilarious game of we never find out the count and countess's surname, which is followed in the the next scene, the place cards at a ball, where you know this yeah. is where Jonathan Human sits. That's where. Stephen Anthro- <laughs> Anthropocene, <laughs> Anthropocene sits. Uh, and of course, he is Madame Dirt, but some klutz has put the uh, folded napkin in front of where wow. her name would be. That, that waiter deserves to be fired. I feel. I Wh- whichever person on set screwed up that shot. <laughs> oh. oh, no, I think. I bet Max Ophels would have had a serious word with him. But. And because it was left in, makes me think... Well, it's, that it it's, is... it's Max Ophel's fault for like, leaving that until the last day of shooting where they ran out of film. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're shooting on ends. Um, I, I, in my head, my canon backstory, my explanation for this goof, my retcon, is that the head of uh, the, the major D came to the waiter and said, okay, guys, we just have to remember that the Count and Countess are lead characters in a film we don't know their surname. <laughs> so it's very important that we mismanage our tableware in such a way as to continue that obscuration. And the waiters are like, 
that doesn't make much sense. We're living people with lives and friends and family. And, and, and Maxwell said, no, it's okay. It's a thematic thing I'm going for. <laughs> yeah. And they said, who are you? And he said, I'm the director of the film. And they were like, we are but light. <laughs> and then started screaming and falling to dust. Um, you can see why they didn't include that pretty heavily. In oh, I, I'm, like we did, we did watch the Criterion edition, but we we we, we don't have we don't have we don't have a Criterion disc. Yeah. So but I'm sure I'm sure it's in the special features. Yeah, I'm sure there's a comprehensive making of. I just it's not a Maxo Falls film without people questioning their existence, staring at their hands as they are torn. <laughs> they're torn atom from atom. Yeah, it's it's his thing. Um, I cannot see any oh, nominated for an Academy Award Best Costume Design, Black and White. Mm. It's good. It's good costumes. Yeah, and good use of both colours. Um. So, everyone, everyone arrives at this, at this fancy ball, yeah. and it just so happens that, that the, the titular Madame De is seated next to Ambassador Donati. Yeah. Another, another coincidental meeting. Yeah. And the, the two of them start dancing, and boy, do they never stop. <laughs> they, they dance for, it's implied to be... weeks. <laughs> um, we get a final shot of them dancing, and it is sincerely surprising that they've not drilled a hole through the ground. <laughs> there are se- seven crossfades yeah. to different dances they're at. They're like dancing and they're meeting, and it's, it's wonderful and, it's, and beautiful. Yes. Yeah. It's There's the, so much spinning around. It's 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 like it's like the it's like the, the dancing scene in Carrie. I'd hate to be a puke catcher on that set. <laughs> to be clear, Madame De, not on Carrie. There's less puke. Blood, <laughs> yeah, lot more pig's blood though. Yeah, is blood the puke of the veins? <laughs> so that and they're clearly falling for each other, and yep. it's uh, charming and interesting. <laughs> And, and just, just, it's just the problem is it's sincerely good cinema. Yeah, uh, in a way, there's not, not, not a whole lot of jokes to make about this very good scene. Yeah, this very good scene. Oh, we didn't talk about the door guys anyway. Oh, oh. <laughs> we can come back to them. There's like a couple of moments, there's, a, there's a few moments where this movie just turns into a screwball comedy. Yeah, like so, sometimes it's like this. There's like you know, it's like a serious romance. Sometimes it's it's very you know, it gets very emotional. And people are. You know, everyone's sad and French. I mean, sometimes it's just like, no, here's here's just like a couple minutes of gags. Yeah, I mean, every film needs three good jokes, yeah. and I think this film passes that. Oh, no, absolutely, it's, a, it's uh, a funny movie. My my favorite was when someone made a terrible pool shot. <laughs> after they've danced the night away and the, the night is several weeks and they grow closer to each other we see the Count and the Ambassador talking for the first time and they're playing pool and one of them takes a shot it's horrible the balls clearly move the camera pans up and they're like great shot it's hilarious yeah they're just in, a, they're just in a, like a, a rich person club where where like there's a room where they're playing pool then they move to the next room where people are just fencing it's like the bet in John Wick 3 <laughs> by <laughs> just walking <laughs> Behind the scenes at the ballet yeah. academy, oh. <laughs> except no one pulled out. No one pulls out a toenail in, in this movie. Yeah, well, not that we saw. Ugh. I mean, that would make a lot of sense. Um, some people get quite sick later, and maybe it is toe related. Yeah. Uh, has have we got past any, any any of the fainting spells yet? <laughs> She's about to faint. Yeah, um, so there I is. Can't remember there's a lot why. of there's a lot of fainting in this movie. I say there's a lot of fainting from one person. And yeah, like my diagnosis is narcolepsy. Well, I, I think like mo- most of it is her like do- doing. She, she's like 
pretending to faint to like get out of awkward situations a lot of the time. And then, then like the last time she faints is a genuine faint. Because it's the classic German rule of fours. Uh, yeah, of course. As Kraftwerk taught us. Um, she sees that they're talking um, and doesn't know what they're talking about, so she faints. Yeah. Um, which, of course, causes the ambassador to say the most romantic line in all of cinema, which is, I apologize for inadvertently causing your charming wife to faint. Well, then there's a tarot reading, apparently. Louise's living mother Nanny. Yeah. She, like, a couple times throughout the film, she, like, does tarot readings with playing cards. Yeah, right. And it's like, when, in the scene where, like, everyone's looking through the house to, to try and find, try and find the earrings, she, she mentions that she, she got, uh, she, she, she got a four of spades and two black sevens, and that, that's, that, that, that spells trouble. <laughs> and, 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 obviously. And, and, in this scene, she's doing, like, a, she's doing, like, a full reading for, for, for Louise. There's, there's definitely something about, like, getting, she 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 gets a seven of something and oh, you know what they're like. <laughs> but then uh, the ambassador and the countess finally get a moment together, and they collapse on each other like two puppets with their strings cut. And uh, what, yeah, it seems like they're 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 about they're about to kiss, and then both of them just sort of fall. No, they do they do kiss because well, they that, do that nineteen fifties kissing, well, which is just two animals mashing their faces against each other. Yeah. I love when in old movies people just like, just like mash their cheeks together. Yeah, and there's like both like look out to the camera with their cheeks together. And like, I mean, uh, it is quite like facial frottage. Let's call it what it is. <laughs> is like it's nice. Yeah, but you want to kind of yeah. You don't want to both be facing the camera. You want to be facing away. You don't want the camera to see your face when you're videoing facial frottage. It's part of the tension of it. Um, but yeah, at, at, at a certain point, the, the, the general goes away on, on maneuvers yeah. for a while, and the, the two of them, Louise and, and the ambassador, grow, grow, grow even closer. And this is when he gives her the earrings, yeah. right? Yes. Um, and she's like, oh, it's magic. You guided them back to me. Because she, she believes that these, earring, these diamond earrings are the only diamond earrings in the world, I guess. Yeah. I guess they're, they're shaped like a heart. I guess... It's not many people do. But people don't. People don't like stuff that's shaped like hearts, uh, yeah. especially jewelry. That's not popular at all ever. So I think that this jeweler, every time he has got now, his you hands on, you can't even make them, the argument like she knows it hers because they're like micro itched because that wasn't even the thing. Yet. Yeah, I think the jeweler is making a copy every time he gets his hands on them. He, if he if he isn't, he, he's an idiot. Yeah, and this whole plot makes a lot more sense. When it's like, it's not fate that just this one set of earrings has come back to her. No, there's like five of those out in the world. Like, it just happened. Yeah, sure, two of them were in Constantinople. But there's heaps of stuff there. Yeah, so she, 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 she gets this pair, she gets a, this pair of earrings as, as a gift, and she, she decides to wear them, but, but not before unleashing her next brilliant move of subterfuge. She, she pretends that Oh, I found them! Yep. The earrings that I lost a year and a half ago, I just found them in some of my gloves. Yep. Hey, husband, come here, I found the earring. Oh, You're li- is, isn't this cr- what a, what, what a, what a kooky world we live in, you know? Oh, um, found them. She really sells it. My yeah. favourite part is, of course, um, they're going out, she's wearing black gloves, she looks at the gloves and says, these are too sombre. Perfect setup. The standard thing anyone would do in any situation. No and one then, wears black gloves. No, and, and would go, then went up and was like, oh, I found, I, I was looking through my gloves and then I found my earrings. They must have fallen out. And of course, the husband is like, incredible. <laughs> because he, he, of course, gave the earrings to his mistress. And so he, 
he, he knows his wife's lying to him and he doesn't really understand what's going on until he realizes that he realizes that the ambassador was in Constantinople around the same time as his former mistress. And he's like, okay, these two are doing it. He's giving her some earrings as, as like a, a post-sex gift. Which is, of course, absolutely the first thing you'd jump to. Like, the nice thing about being in a film is, is that... You, it, you, you, you understand, like, the rules of the world. Yeah, well, yeah. and at one point, if you ever don't know something, you're going to immediately understand the plot of the film you're in, because you need to understand the plot of yeah, the film. Yeah, it would be very annoying for people watching it if you didn't. I would have thought that the jeweler had, sc- <laughs> had scammed me. So there is a, there's another ball... Fucking obviously. Yeah. If we don't say what's going on, they're at a ball. Almost always. And uh, there's there's just so many there's so many scenes in this movie of two people just sort of gripping onto each other and spinning around. <laughs> yeah. It's like that one bit of Titanic, but for a hundred and four minutes. Um and so at, at, at this ball, uh, the, the the husband who's like put it all together now, he 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 calls the uh, he calls the ambassador in, in, into a room with him, and there's like pinter level subtext between them. The air is thick with yeah. tension. If, if, everyone's everyone's not saying what they mean entirely. Yeah, yeah. Oh. There's I know you know you know I know. There's all of the knowledge knowledge is in the air. The, the, the husband uh, having taken having taken the earring from his wife gives them back to the ambassador and tells the ambassador you're going to go to this jewelry store and sell them <laughs> and sell the earrings back to the jewelry store and tell the jeweler to sell the earrings to me again yeah and so, and the, so they do that and so the jeweler is like fuck yeah i'm back on the call sheet <laughs> um, guess who it is jeweler motherfuckers so he come he comes to see the general again at, at, at the barracks yeah and he this the, is the general pays him a bunch of money this is the period of time where the general which is to say the Count is angrily opening all the curtains he can get his hands on. No, that's a bit later. <laughs> oh, okay. That, yeah, that's... He, oh, he opens it's, a lot it's, of it's curtains. It's just before that. Yeah. But so the jeweler has made his third sale of the same... Sa- same pair of diamond earrings. Possibly, unless they're many different, unless he's making a lot of money. Yeah. Those and his encrusted Furbies. Oh, so that, 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 that was like the, the, the next time that, that, that the wife faints is when is when, when the ambassador and the husband are talking. Yeah. She, like, she's in another room. She faints to, like, get the husband so she can get out of there. As always, just women. Yeah. Women be fainting. They, look, they've got weak constitutions. Well, and that scene, that scene at the ball is so clearly, it's like, it's just two reasonable men arranging who owns a woman. <laughs> in a way that you're like... Hmm, maybe we should just burn the past. <laughs> but it looks beautiful. Yeah. The things we're not saying that I'm using is that every frame could be a painting. It's this a sight mo- this movie to looks incredible. Mm-hmm. All, of, all the shot choices are immaculate. Yeah, Wikipedia says that Max Ophels wanted to shoot the whole thing through windows and mirrors. Yeah, which, and it almost is. Yeah, a, a lot of it is, but I, I would have loved to have seen the whole thing like that. Because that is... Yeah. like I don't know if it would have worked... But that's a really interesting, like, thing to try and do with a movie. Well, because that is, to jump ahead, like, my my take on this film is that it's very good on almost every front, except for the fact that, obviously, it was made in the 50s, so it's gender politics of fucking dwelling in the toilet. Yeah, yeah but it's, it, but it, like, it's it's about a very specific, part, like, yeah. point in time earlier than that, and it's making fun of those people. But it, and so I've, I think it's, on the surface, it's gender politics are bad, but it, it's all, it's. I think j- just to take it on on face value is like do, doing doing a movie a, a disservice. It's true. I I buy that. But with all of that, it just lacks a 
like the, it just needs a little kick, you know? Yeah, it needs the yeah. lemon juice. It needs to brighten it up. Yeah, no, it, it's, you know, for, for something that's like a satire, it's, it's never like an, it's never like an open satire. Yeah, it needs like. It's a satire if you know what to look for. I would love it a bit better if the lead character was hypothetically like a klutz who is perpetually murdering people. <laughs> but maybe, you know. Maybe just mangling bicyclers. <laughs> Fuck. That film really hates cyclists. Um, this is, of course, Madame De, the film that hates cyclists. But so she gets the earrings again. Yes, because when, when she gets the earrings... So when the husband buys the earrings for the third time, yeah. that's when he he gives them to her, and we're like, "Why are you giving her the earrings again? That's like your whole problem." And then he <laughs> yeah. instantly just like, after she's like crying and saying "thank you, thank you" because she loves his earrings so much, he snatches them back. He's like, "Ha! <laughs> yeah. I'm Ashton Kutcher, and you got punked." And then he he takes her to his niece's place, and uh, his niece has just had a daughter. And to niece to, to, we never met before. Nope. Just this, this, this movie family. just this movie just loves like. Be like he just just putting in a new character, and you you have no idea if the character is going to be like a main character or if they're just there going to be there for like a second. I got because they get on. It's going on the train, and it's a mirror of him sending Lola to Constantinople. And I was like, "This is interesting. It's an interesting way to end the film." And then they arrive at this farmhouse, chock a block with humanity. It's Charlie Bucket's house from Willy Wonka, yep. and I just remember just like an overwhelming sense of like social anxiety. Like, do I have to get to know more people? And, and but, but luckily we, we don't. I think we, we only talked to the niece, and then there's like a brief shot of a baby. Yeah, I mean that's it. And so, she because she, she's so, recently given birth. Yeah, so she's still in bed. Yeah, yeah. and so uh, and so the, the uh, so the, the husband makes makes Louise give, give give the earrings to his niece as a. As a birth gift. Yeah, and it's interesting taking them out of the narrative like that, except hard cut to <laughs> Elizabeth. Well, yeah, the no. niece has already sold them back to the jewel well, off no, screen. No. You, you're missing a very important part of the scene, which is where Louise goes over to, to a window and stares out of it for a few seconds. Oh, uh, yeah. And yeah, and I just didn't notice because she did not ang- open the curtains angrily enough. <laughs> and then it cuts back. It cuts back to to the barracks, like I guess, like less than a week later. And the the the, the, the jeweler is there again, <laughs> yeah. and he's 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 trying to he's trying to tell the the general, hey, I've got the earrings back yeah. because your, your your niece, I guess, is go- going bankrupt, and so <laughs> and so she sold. <laughs> she sold the earrings back to me, and I want to sell them to you again. And yeah. Jim was like, "No, fuck off." Yeah, it's like I'm a not, s- I don't care about these earrings anymore. But I only it, wanted them to like hurt my wife's feelings. But it's like one degree off the sitcom version of the transition, which is like, now you give those earrings away. We are never, yeah. ever, ever gonna see them again. Never cut to the earrings are back. What does this jeweler no, think it, it, is it, happening? It, it, it's, it's all like the scene in uh, in the Clint Eastwood masterpiece of a mule. Oh yeah, with, with, where he's just completed a, a, a trip run, running drugs for, for a cartel. Yeah, and then he, everyone, no, you don't need to recap the plot uh, of Clint Eastwood and the mule. he's done his last drug run. He's made all the money he needs, and when he finds out there's like the, the local like veterans hall is like out of business, and instantly just like he he hears like they need some money. And it just cuts to his face, and he goes, hmm. And it cuts him, like, <laughs> transporting more drugs. It's the best part of that movie. I know. I liked uh, its lingering focus on both buttocks and breasts. Look, we, we do not have time to get into our thoughts on the mule. Cause... So, once again, the jeweler is like, okay, 
are you involving me in a money laundering scheme? What is going on? These yeah. earrings are back. Yeah, and Gerald absolutely does not care. He's he says, yeah. get, get out of here. Yeah. I'm done with you now. Yeah. You're useless to me. Yeah. And he's done some monocle thinking. Oh. He, he, yeah, I think for, for the rest of the movie, he's in a total monocle mindset. Yeah, he just doesn't have the actual monocle on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's purely metaphor. It's just important for the people the, the listening to understand he, that the monocle is with him. The only time he puts the monocles on, uh, when he goes to, to look through the scarf and when he's reading in bed. Oh, yes, of course. It is hard to emphasize, dear audience, how pathetic him searching the scarf is. <laughs> like, <laughs> like if, if someone either makes like a supercut of like worst scarf searching scenes in movies, this is going to be number one. Like you know when someone is looking for something, like they've lost their phone, and you're like, oh, I should help look, but you don't really want to look. But also, so maybe, maybe you're like their house, and you don't want to touch yeah, anything. Yeah. You like pick up a tea towel, and like, oh no, not yeah. over there. That is a rigorous search in comparison to scarf searching. Not to dwell on the scarf search. Um, it's around this point that there was a, a dog on the street hanging around one of the carriages. And really? We're not I, going I don't to the, the dog at all. Yeah, no, I've made three notes okay. here about... Uh, about the dog? Yeah, it was just good. It was just pranking just, about. Just nice to see some dogger. <laughs> just nice. It's just good. So dog. Dog. Yes. Yes. Contains... Look, I just got to be honest. I just real want a dog, and we can't have one here. Um, anyway, it's it's horrifying. Oh, and then it, this is when we learn this whole affair has been going on over about two years. Yeah, which makes much more sense than the seeming like maybe ten days. At a certain point, where we totally like miss talking about. She, she goes to like travel around Italy for like a couple months. Oh, that's right. To be close to to the ambassador. Right. Well, well she, 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 yeah, she wants to like get away from him, but at some point he just starts like showing up where she is. We should really be able to remember. Oh no! So the jeweler has them. Yeah. Um. The the. Oh right, right, right yes. And yes. so she sells. You know all that stuff that she wouldn't sell at the beginning. All of her furs, her her diamond cross, her emeralds. Those were too important to her. And this this gift from her husband meant nothing. She's she's finally figured out that. The, 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 these incredibly expensive diamond earrings that's the thing of real value yeah which is because it, it's her love for the ambassador yeah and also diamonds and at this point she also becomes sick with grief because oh, the ambassador won't see her anymore yeah it's like when can I next see you never I've decided to never see you again because women be crazy um and so, so she, she sells all, all of her expensive furs and jewels so she can give so she can get the earrings back and then her her husband her husband finds out about this, mm-hmm. and there's there's a scene in her bedroom where we see like all all of the all, all of the like wardrobes and drawers are like full of lavish clothes. Are beginning now totally bare. She's got her earrings back, and her husband's like, "Okay, I, I guess the only thing to do now is uh, challenge your boyfriend to a duel." Pretty standard. Yeah, your boyfriend said he'll never see her again, um, but duel seems pretty standard separation. Um, he goes, proposes the jewel. They accept. It, it, it's a, it's a it's sort of an interesting thing. Like he he can't tell. He can't like say the actual reason he's challenging him to a duel. Yeah. So like, he he goes like he goes to, like the like rich guys club yeah. and like in front of everyone else challenges him to a duel, but like accusing him of like being mean about the army or something. Yeah. Instead of saying no, you've been fucking my wife and you stole my you stole my earrings. I th- always presumed that being mean about the army was a euphemism. Philanderation. One of the other guys in, in the room is like, "No, he's an ambassador. He doesn't think the same way we do." So, no, that is true. Yeah. So they get ready. They go in the middle of. Well, so the she, she, she goes to see. She goes to see the, the ambassador again, 
and tell them like, my husband's very good at shooting. You're going to yeah. die if you do this. And he's like, yeah. Yeah, which is just the most French response, I guess. It's like, oh, I am going to die. And don't. And then and this we, is we, the we, point we briefly where... see a scene of, 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 of the general like practicing his shot, his shooting. Oh, fuck, that's right. And he, he, he fires a gun off screen. He's handed him another gun. He fires it. He's handed another gun. He fires that. And then his, his second-in-command or whatever tells him, Oh, three perfect shots of a heart. Yes, he, he stands no chance. But I like to be shown these things rather than be told that he's a good shot. How do I know he got him three times in the heart? Well, Lucky. Then, <laughs> j- j- just in case there are more audience members like you. you know? Yeah, no, I'm a, I'm a doubting Thomas when it comes to accuracy of bullets. The camera, you're not going to believe this, the camera hands over... <laughs> yeah. To an outline of a human drawn on the wall, yeah. with a heart drawn on, where, yeah. where a heart would be, but yeah. in the shape of a of a like a heart rather than an anatomical. And heart. I presume it also has like uh, a face and hands. No, or le- no, no just, just the heart. Just the heart. Just the heart. Yeah. Okay. And cool. there are just three bullet holes in it. Okay. And then you're like, oh, I just think that's some good shooting. Interesting that he's going straight for the heart and not for you know the standard way of taking someone out Israeli style, twice in the head to destroy the brain, then the center of the mass. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not sure if they've quite developed those tactics yet. Like when everyone was using single shot revolvers. I think oh, no, that, not revolver. Yeah, God, kind of a single shot revolver. What am I on about? I mean, you could have a single shot revolver. It just wouldn't be very good. <laughs> it would just be mainly heavy <laughs> rather than deadly. Isn't that what a lemon squeezer is? That's no, no, a lemon squeezer is like a tiny thing that fits in a. Oh. Which is what shot Lincoln, right? That's how what's-his-name shot, uh, Abraham Lincoln. I, I think so, yeah. And it does not matter. I, I used to read a lot of books about guns when I was, like, eight years old. Me too. Yeah. It was, like, a well, spin between we, we, cars we, and dinosaurs, yeah. right? I think, like, we're, we're both guys who, are like, like, are very much, into, like, not interested in that stuff anymore, but, like, we could have gone down a very different life path. I know, Well, I feel like a real curse for me, a thing I really struggle with, is that absolutely, I think, violence is, should always be the last response. Yeah. I'm saying it's a valid response, obviously. Political power is about which direction we point the violence yeah. in. Really think that conversation should come first, but also... There is a bit of my heart that's like, but guns are so cool. They yeah. make clicking noises. It is one of many like weird moralistic goals in life to never fire a gun. But but also, I fight a gun in a play. Is that okay? Is, was was it a real gun? Did you fire a real? It was a bullet? real deactivated gun. Oh, okay. No. Like yeah, I I think like guns are like inherently bad. Shouldn't use them. But also like re- recently my like. But swords on the other <laughs> hand, obviously swords are great. But, but like re- recently like. My dad's girlfriend's son like left one of his airsoft guns at our house, and immediately I was just like, "I'm loading this up. I'm, <laughs> I'm building targets in the backyard. I'm airsofting anything that moves." <laughs> yeah, no, my dad had a air rifle, which didn't really look like a gun, but I love to shoot cans with it. It just it is cool. violence is cool, and that's and especially when it looks good in movies. I know this is the problem, right? Yeah. And so anyway, what we're getting to is. The duel is coming up. They've both got guns. We know they're good at shooting hearts. At this point, Finn pointed out how much better the film would be um, <laughs> if if one of them took off their shirt to reveal a tiger tattoo, showing us that this is within the wanted universe. <laughs> I mean, they just started curving bullets at each other and 
uh, jumping across skyscrapers. I just can't think of a film that would not be improved by having its final act climax be replaced by Angelina Jolie and James McAvoy from Split just flinging bullets around corners at each other. One of the the craziest conversations I've ever had with with a a real person who existed is (laughs) I uh, I was talking with a guy called Josh Thompson, comedian, Australian. Don't yeah. hold it against him. Yeah. Uh, I was talking with Josh Thompson once about, about the John Wick movies. Yeah. Because I really like those movies a lot. Yeah. And, I, and I, I'd been recommending uh, John Wick to him. And he, he, he watched John Wick. And like b- beforehand, he messaged me to be like, hey, Finn, is this a movie I need to pay attention to? Which tells you like the sort of movie watcher, <laughs> movie watcher he is. And I was like, yes, you should watch the movie. But... There are some movies that I like. Look sure, at. yeah. But like, if I've I recommended if I've recommended a movie to you, you should pay attention to. But I like. I didn't have to look at the screen all the way through the half of it. You know, a good film, a film I endorse. But you don't have to. You're not like, yeah. oh, I wonder oh. how this Serrano de Bergerac <laughs> is gonna how where Gun Carter is gonna show up in this. <laughs> So uh, I yeah, so I got this message from from Josh, and instantly I was like, "Oh no, that's it's a bad sign." I mean, like after after he finished the movie, he messaged me again saying, "Well, I hated that. I thought that was terrible." And I said, "What didn't you like about it?" And he said, "Meet me at the classic. We'll talk about it in person." And so we both went for classic, and we sat down, and started talking, and immediately he's like, "I didn't like it because it wasn't grounded enough, and it was too crazy." And and this is John Wick one he's talking yeah, about. Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Cool. And and he was you know like he he just had real issues with with like with like how John Wick a movie that is like purposefully insane. It's and urban fantasy. Yeah. It is. It's one of the most ridiculous movies. Ever it's, made. it's my great. favorite adaptation of the Dresden Files. <laughs> and like that, that was his big problem. Like it's not believable enough. It's too heightened. It's too stylized. And then I asked him, okay, so what, what are some action movies you really like? And his. His responses were taken and wanted. Ah, yes, of course. And and I, I buy take I buy taken in that as proof in that argument. And I I I looked him in I, I looked him into his eyes and I said, "This is my face when I'm fucking you in the air." <laughs> the final line of the comic of wanted. And I said, "Are you talking about wanted?" The movie where people jump across buildings and curve bullets, and the movie ends with Angelina Jolie shooting a bullet in a circle. And, and he's like, yes, that one. And I most love it. importantly and most absurdly, Chris Pratt is there, but everyone is not immediately charmed by his lunk-headedness. Hey, he's the he's the red hot chili peppers of actors. Like, he's a professional knucklehead and he's charming for it. Look, I I I, I like him a lot in yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy movies. Yeah. I've as Anthony Kiedis in space. <laughs> it's very very cruel. What? No, I th- it's an and, endorsement and, to both of those people from my end. There, there is... Anthony oh, Keynes is so much worse. Look, I mean, he's not Flea. Obviously, Zoe Saldana is Flea. Yeah, are you talking about Star of Queen and Slim Flea? <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, that's right. Yeah, married to Chloe Sivigny in one scene. That's right. I know, I just remember being like, who is that? And then yeah. you're like, no, I have an exact same Flea. feeling. Yeah. And then, this is my review of Queen and Slim. Okay. Yeah, interesting film. And credits are rolling. It's a bit hokey. Lena Waite wrote this. That, that makes sense. It's a bit hokey. And then the next credit is story by James, James Frey. Yeah, James Frey. And you're like, oh, I get it. I understand now. Yeah, so he, he's the guy who he hires like college graduates to like, write books that can be turned into movies. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, he, and he's responsible for I am number four. Yeah, and of course, before that, he, he wrote like a fake autobiography. Or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, like um, fooled Oprah or something. Famously, like un- unable to be taken in by by hucksters or charlatans. Oprah yeah. has <laughs> absolutely never endorsed any bad ideas or pseudoscience on her show to millions of viewers. Whoa, that seems angry. You know where you should go, <laughs> Doctor Phil, <laughs> medically approved Doctor <laughs> Philip McGraw. Um, yeah. Lord Philip. Well, I was just going to say it, of, of, of like all the billionaires in the world, Oprah is one of the top 10 most dangerous. I just definitely don't believe that's true. There's definitely like the people at Lockheed Martin, Zuckerberg, Bezos. I mean, if we're looking at like who's directly responsible for like the, the most deaths and illness, yeah. like Oprah. I mean, like there's almost certainly someone out there who's got like the AIDS vaccine. Right, like if let's get into yeah. conspiracy like, like, corner. Uh, <laughs> like uh, Oprah, like is one of the, like people responsible for like helping to like mainstream the anti-vaccination movement. Yeah, cool. And like that's it's not good, but is it bad? Yes. Explain to me how we're in conspiracy corner. Okay, so here's here's my hot take. Yeah. I think that people dying of preventable illnesses. Okay. Don't like it. So. What you're telling me is that you love the government. Yes. Uh, you think the government can do no wrong. Yes. And I, I think I think they should be injecting Satan into it. <laughs> just in, just put, putting the mark of a beast on every single member of the public. You, you self-confess that it is putting Satan in your blood. Yes. And at some point, you become a bloodshot where your blood <laughs> is just Satan and not blood. How can you... Would you, if you had a living human child and it had sprung forth from you, or F- fully, fully formed from my head, like, <laughs> yeah. like Athena? Yeah, of course. What the, the way? What I've, yeah, what I've always said <laughs> the standard human way. Maybe a stalk is involved. You're going to some... come out of my head wearing full like plate armor. <laughs> yeah, and then someone came along and said, "Hi, the government, the same government that could not, that were cowards about the zero carbon act, the same government that." won't fucking that won't pay for dentistry that government has decided that we're going to put this murder blood into yep. your tiny fully formed baby yes and you're fine with that absolutely i think okay. it's good do, do, do it twice i mean we're having fun here <laughs> <laughs> but would you re- yeah i mean i just science is the biggest dogma if you ask me it's the biggest it's bigger than fact you know well, What's well, why are these scientists so interested in trying to prove things with evidence? <laughs> I I think I think that's the same as believing things about evidence. Actually, okay, that's me shutting the door on conspiracy yeah. corner. So back to the duel. Someone gets shot. Who knows? Louise shows up just before then, but it's cold, and so Nanny offers her um what her is it? Shawl? Her shawl. Just take your shawl with you. <laughs> no, take my shawl. Oh. T- oh. Because Nanny is so magnanimous. Well, because Nanny is the one who then does all the running yeah. to find out. So they're, they're, they're like running up, they're running up this hill and into this like wooded area to get out into the the, the verdant field where these two aristocrats are going to kill each other. Yeah, and she's she's just shouting like, "Stop! Stop! Don't murder each other!" But they can't hear him because you know they're ages away. And yeah. she's running. I mean, just as she gets to like the top of the hill, looking down into the clearing, she hears a gunshot. Yeah, but she doesn't hear a second one. Oh, I think that means that someone's dead. Yeah, and we just we don't know who. And then she kind of like leans against a tree. She she's at, she faints she, again, for, doesn't for she? For the first time, she faints for real. Ah, because because now she's she's actually shocked. <laughs> Whereas the rest of the time, she was just like, 
I don't want to be in this situation anymore. And then, this is an avenue. This is an avenue that's open to me. And then at the end, she has donated the earrings to a church that she visited earlier in the yeah, film. Briefly. Because who needs more jewels? The Catholic Church. <laughs> and we don't know they're Catholics. Yeah, the French in the early 20th century. Absolutely Catholics. I absolutely don't know those things. <laughs> I don't know. They could be anything. So isn't what the Huguenots? They got massacred and then kicked out. Oh, okay. I, I just don't know. Just The only history I know is things that took place while I was alive. Arguable that that's history. <laughs> I, mean, I think Thatcher is history. Clinton is history. Other Clinton, history. Both Bushes. Speaking of Bushes, what amount of sex do you think is appropriate for a children's film? Okay. <laughs> I, I had no idea where you were ending that sentence. What amount of sex is appropriate? Because imagine, I'm going to pitch you a film. So that is, that was, mm. The Earrings of Madame Deux, a very good film. Yeah. Did okay. you find it shite or sound? I, I found it to be very sound. Yeah, I found it sound as w- well. W- wouldn't be my 101st favorite movie of all time, yeah. but like, real good. Is I'll, it, I'll definitely watch it again. It's 101 on the list. Yeah, it's a, so it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's 101 on the top 100, and also it's 93, because there's a lot of stuff going on. Yeah, we don't need to worry the listeners no. with numbers. If, if you want to know why that's a thing, go to the BFI website and find out find out why. Yeah, those British fucking institute uh, BFI. I'm, I'm going to give them so much money. Brilliant filmmakers incorporated. <laughs> UK cinema organized youth are king. I'm the king of cinema. Anyway, okay. So you remember those Pink Panther films starring uh, Jeffrey Rush? Starring famous non-white person impersonator. <laughs> yeah. I love, I love... What's his name? Peter Selvis. That's his name. Isn't it incredible that we now live at a point on the timeline where Jeffrey Rush is more disgraced than Peter Sellers? That's like, that shows that society is progressing. I mean, it's terrifying that we're learning more bad things. But mm. anyway, fuck Jeffrey Rush. Mm. Um, no, don't do that. I, I, That's what he wants. I didn't even think the King's Speech was that good to begin with. I just don't get all the buzz. It, it's just a fucking peach. Just eat it. I love stone fruit, but nectarines all the way. I don't understand all the buzz about a peach. I didn't see the film. <laughs> Neither did I, actually. <laughs> it's, true. it's by Tom Hooper, who yeah. is on head after head. One of, one of the great auteurs of the 21st century. Hey, he made Les Mis. He made some of and the... And a movie that won multiple Oscars. Yeah. His he makes... made The Danish Girl, a movie that won multiple Oscars. He made he, he made the, the King's Speech, a movie that won multiple Oscars. <laughs> uh, His Dark Materials, the TV series, which is actually sincerely good. And of course, Cats, the peak of modern cinema. Whatever that means. <laughs> I, I, I really hope that like, there'll be an episode where I can justify making us watch Cats. <laughs> I've got a lot of strong feelings about cats, but I want to talk about for a long time. I really want to get Bri to watch cats. Yeah, she she not seen it yet. No, uh, and she doesn't want to, even though she coward. knows the song. She's a coward. Yeah, I do often say that to her. But that Pink Panther character, right? Let's call him the Pink Panther. Yeah. Um, he hasn't done much, and you know who hasn't done much recently? Stephen Martin. Stephen Martin, the the wild and crazy guy. The, the, at, at a point in time, the single most. Like, popular stand-up comedian in history? Well, yeah, he was a real Jerry Seinfeld. I mean, I, I, I don't know about you, but, like, like Steve Martin is to me, like, a like a, a comedy hero. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah, he's, yeah. he's an incredible performer. Yeah. He's done a lot of amazing work. He's, like, his early comedy specials are fantastic. Defining texts. He's a star of one of my favorite movies of all time, Painting from Heaven. I think mean, probably maybe my favorite musical. He seems like a great guy. 
He hangs out, hangs out with Martin Short. He writes plays and collects art, which are, you know, one and a half things of what I want to do in life. Um, and he took the avant-garde, like odd bits of comedy, yeah. weird things, and brought them into stand-up in a way that shows that he is remarkably fresh and smart. He knows what he's doing. Yeah. And luckily that holds up through the 2006 Sean Levy remake <laughs> of The Pink Panther. A, uh, a movie that, that does not that does not need to exist. But the thing about The Pink Panther, we both watched it together. We both laughed a lot. The thing I liked about it's, it... So, it's funnier than I thought it was going to be, but not always funny in the way it thinks it is. Well, go, I didn't say this going into it, but I have always thought, you know those things on the internet, those video clips where they get like Mary Poppins and they'll recut a trailer. To, to make it seem like a horror movie? Yeah. 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 Um, I just think it's really cool that they have done that with their <laughs> whole film. Because it is, Steve Martin is Inspector Clouseau. Is <laughs> when we're introduced to him, of course, Kevin Klein as Dreyfus is narrating, and he says, ah, Inspector Clouseau is the first time I heard that name. And we immediately meet Steve Martin well, killing two old people in a row, just euthanizing the elderly. It's an amazingly unpleasant opening. <laughs> it's a movie that is like, what if someone had, like, le- what if someone legally had the power of life and death <laughs> over, like, the citizens of an entire country, and also they were the single dumbest person who's ever lived? And what if that was hilarious? What, what, what if we delighted in the fact that, that this moron is legally allowed to kill people whenever he wants? It is hard to overstate just how there are many slapstick beats in this film, and they fall into two categories. One of which is just sex. The joke is sex. Two characters are near each other in a way that seems like what a child would think sex looks yeah. like. For instance, the Heimlich maneuver. But, but like, it's, it's always adults thinking that something looks like sex, even though it doesn't. And then some, then people will like say something and they're like, oh, that's, well, that sounds like a bit about sex as well. And the other half of the slapstick beats are what I would turn like some of the most brutal murders you'll ever see outside of a Saw film. <laughs> There is a sequence in which... What does he throw out the window? Okay, so <laughs> Emily Mortimer, who is, of course, Steve Munn's age-appropriate love interest. Emily Mortimer has done a lot of great work. She finds a boiled egg, and Inspector Clouseau's officer says, can I eat this? He says, fine. She goes to eat it whole. She puts an entire boiled egg in her mouth for no reason. She's she's like a reasonably competent, intelligent character. Yeah, I know. She, she just put, she puts an entire bald egg in her mouth and then it immediately begins to choke <laughs> on it. And so, of course, Inspector Clouseau starts giving her the Heimlich he, maneuver. He, he runs in front of her room, grabs her, starts giving her the Heimlich maneuver. Just as. Which is funny because it looks like sex. Just, just as Jean Renault wa- walks into the room and he's, and like, there are so many cuts to Jean Renault reacting to it. Yeah. There, there are so many reaction shots where Jean Renault's going, Ooh. <laughs> and then, so of course, dislodges the egg. The egg flies out the window. It, it like shoots out the window, like it was like it was fired from a cannon. <laughs> it hits a cyclist. The cyclist it, veers it, off it hits, path. It hits a cyclist like, right in the helmet. It's a classic like Kennedy assassination back into the left. <laughs> um, the cyclist veers off path until something like like roadside food vendor. Yeah, street meat. Yeah. which then explodes. <laughs> The whole car collapses and then explodes in a fireball. It is the coldest <laughs> blooded. It is not. It's murder in the second degree. But it is just hard to. But that is like 
almost every scene has a scene like that. Like they're driving in the car, you see a cyclist behind them. This film hates cyclists. This movie hates cyclists more op- than any film I've ever seen. <laughs> this car, the car stops, opens the door, cyclist just barrels into it at a speed that is at least paralyzing. Yeah, but almost he, he goes murderous. he goes flying over he goes flying over this hilariously tiny smart car. Yeah, to go on to prove that this film is brilliant. I'm going to roll out a cast list for you, okay? This is an incredible cast. Yeah. And so, a, lo- a lot of them not even credited, <laughs> yeah. because they were too embarrassed <laughs> for some reason. So let's start simple. Steve Munn, as we've talked about, probably a genius. Yes. I've got, who doesn't love some Beyonce? Pre-Lemonade Beyonce, but maybe we'll get to how this film in many ways prefigures and is the best original version of her concept of <laughs> Lemonade. Kevin Klein, who doesn't love a bit of Dave, a little bit of uh, uh, Fish Called Wonder, uh, hanging out, tickling around. Who's that? Is that? It's only Olympic diver Jason Statham up in this. Couldn't get better, could it? No. Except Clive Owen. Clive Owen from Children of Men. From Children of Men. Clive Owen from Gemini Man. (laughs) Fuck that. Oh, Clive, what's going on? Clive Owen from The Cut. The Cut. Clive Owen the from Net. Shoot'em Up. Oh, from yeah. The International. <laughs> the Internet. Clive Owen, of course, from Closer. Um, the film that invented texting on screen. Thanks. And then, like, you, you, you've heard of all those amazing cast members, you think it cannot get any better. But no. The greatest martial arts superstar in the world, Scott Adkins, is in two shots of this movie as a soccer player. And we haven't even mentioned Emily Mortimer again, but no, but we already mentioned her a bunch. Oh, like oh, Scott Adkins, Kristen Chenoweth, oh, Kristen is Chenoweth is in this movie for almost no reason. Jean Reno Jean from 1998 Godzilla, <laughs> and 1998's Ronin. I've only seen two Jean Reno films. Jean Reno from famous. Pedophile propaganda, Leon the Professional. <laughs> yes. It's my favourite. Mm. Mm. No, I mean, Kubrick's Lolita is also good. <laughs> I mean, it's bad, but... Also starring Peter Sellers. Ah. Bring it all around. So, anyway... We just did a Herald Weekend in the show now. <laughs> and... Scene. scene. <laughs> um, so... I don't think there's any point going for the plot of this movie. No, there's... I think we should describe some of the most horrifying gags, and then that's it. I feel we can do it quickly. Jason Statham... Um, uh, is, is the manager of, of the French football team. Yeah. Uh, uh, he gives his girlfriend, Beyonce, Beyonce uh, the Pink Panther diamond. Well, we don't know that yet. It's a reveal of the end. Uh, fuck it. Who gives a shit? <laughs> yeah, no. So, um, at, at the, the like, World it, Cup semi-final, uh, Jason Statham goes over to, to the stands and sees his, his we're, girlfriend, We're Beyonce. already going into yeah, too much detail. We're like, and, and, like, well, he, he goes over to Beyonce, who's playing another famous pop singer. But the two of them, he says something to her, the two of them kiss, and then, like, that's on the Jumbotron for some reason, and the entire crowd just starts applauding that this, like, this football manager and this pop star are making out. I mean, if I saw Jason Statham and Beyonce kissing, I would be like, that's incredible. This is better than Hobbs and Shaw. <laughs> but yet, almost anything's better than Hobbs and Shaw. I mean, the Pink Panther isn't. Oh. They're, they're, they're pretty much equal for me. I have a very specific comparison as to why I prefer Hobbs okay. and Shaw, but we can, come, we can come to that later. But yes, it is, it, like, 
A diamond is missing. Kevin Klein oh, wants a distraction while he looks for it, yeah. so hires... Um, the, the single dumbest police officer in all of France. Well, I feel like... Let's try and diagnose Steve Martin's Inspector Clouseau, because Peter Sellers, like, was a broad character, but there was a sense of him as a bumbling idiot who had some of the right ideas. Yeah. While Steve Martin has the manic energy of a mentally ill person in but, a bar. But then right at the end of the movie, they totally sell that out and decide, actually, no, he's actually a fairly okay police officer. Yeah, but that's because you can never know what he's going to do at any moment. <laughs> yeah, he, he is the single most erratic character I've ever seen on film. It, to be alone in a room with him <laughs> would be genuinely stuck. It, it is like to, like being, being alone with <laughs> Steve Martin's Inspector Clouseau is to constantly court death. So he's a, for example, he's interrogating a man, um, and he is very nice, and then he walks out and says, I'm doing bad cop, good cop, and then John Reno says that's normally two different people, so Steve Martin gets back in now as bad cop with a car battery. Um, and he has a car battery that looks like, it, <laughs> it looks like a plunger you use to like blow up TNT. <laughs> and <laughs> Threatens the he, person he, he's he, he, threatens, he threatens the soccer player who's been totally cooperative and like obviously has nothing to do. He threatens him with like electrocution. And then to, to demonstrate to demonstrate how bad it is for electrocuted, he attaches the two like like big metal clips to his own testicles <laughs> and electrocutes himself. And then what? In maybe I think maybe the funniest joke in the movie, it, it just like instantly like you cut to outside the room where he is just screaming. And then it cuts to the next scene where him and Jean Reno are walking down the stairs, and his fl- and Steven's fly is still open, and smoke is just coming out of it. And then it cuts to him in the car, and he's sitting down. The smoke is still just like wafting out of his pants. And that's the scene that ends with him opening the car door and killing yes. a cyclist. And like, um, that, 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 that is the joke that they they commit to the most, and they they like. They follow that joke to a not not like a logical place, but like a crazy place that like makes a certain amount of like there, there's a visual continuity <laughs> between like him electrocuting his own testicles and smoke coming out his pants. That's a funny joke, like it a lot. Well, it is. It's the shifting the goalposts is impressive because like we talked about while we were watching it, but there is an extended sequence because they have to go to America for. For some reason. Almost, for almost no reason. <laughs> <laughs> and so, of course, he has to learn how to speak American, so hires, and I quote, the world's best dialect coach. Yeah. Uh, and she tries to teach him to say, I would like a hamburger. And, and for some reason, he cannot say hamburger. Because it, it, he's a trickster sprite <laughs> from who, beyond who, the veil. Yeah, who only exists to, to, to bedevil authority figures. <laughs> it, 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 it's, it's like, it's like all, all the like, three like, most iconic dialogue coach scenes in cinema history obviously there's 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 the scene in Singing in the Rain where Moses supposes his toes are roses yeah there is this scene from Pink Panther <laughs> yeah and there, there is the would it were so simple scene from Hail Caesar yeah which, which one is the least excruciating <laughs> <laughs> I think there is something to be said for the fact like the scene in Pink Panther isn't good no but no part of the film is but it pays off later yes when, it pays off in a way that almost no other joke in the movie does well i just think there's nothing funnier than the specter of 9-11 hanging over films so of course there's an extended scene in which he's harassed by tsa agents yes because when they're leaving america uh at the airport his, his bag is switched with an identical bag that is filled with weapons in order to incriminate him and make him seem like a real goofus even though he already has many 
hamburgers in his pocket because he loves hamburgers. Because <laughs> when he goes to America, he discovers the majesty of hamburgers. Because he's, yeah, a thing they don't have in France. No, n- n- it's not like there is it like one of the most iconic film scenes of all time is Phil talking about like hamburgers <laughs> yeah. in France. Yeah, it's fine. I mean, would it be like it sounds absurd to think that the Pink Panther would make a Pulp Fiction reference? But this is a film where there's when he his meet cute with Emily Mortimer <laughs> is that she's been hanging up a sign or some shit. And she, and she's, like, she's standing on a table hanging up like a, a painting or something. Yeah. And he decides to help her. Well, she she asked she asked him to help her down. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. And, and yep. essentially, imagine piggybacking someone, but <laughs> they're on the, the wrong way. But, <laughs> but she, they she, are on the opposite side of you, and so there's she a face ends up in a, yeah, She ends yeah. up essentially sitting on his face while he is standing up, and it is not physically funny enough that like our kids would just laugh at it. Yeah. The only comedy from the situation is it looks like sex. Yeah. Is and like, again, you have like. Some like other guy just like walk into the room and like see like Steve Martin yep. with Emily Mortimer on his face, just like backing her into the wall. I was like, oh, okay, he, I guess and, he's gonna like put her against the wall and eat her out. Okay, and it is just the most impractical fornication <laughs> possible. And this like gag goes on for a good like twenty or thirty seconds. <laughs> it is. I, mean, I shouldn't say a good twenty or thirty seconds. It's it's an excruciating twenty or thirty seconds. I would term it troubling. It's a yes, troubling moment. Absolutely. Within, where, uh, but anyway, he's at TSA. They they find all of these weapons in his bag. Yeah, and then they ask him what's in his pockets, and he can't say the word hamburger properly. Yeah. so he eventually gets attacked by a dog. And the very, fa- <laughs> and the very fact that that hamburger thing was set up. Yeah. At all makes it my favorite joke in the yeah. Film. So like Steve Martin like saying like hamburger for crazy freaks Prince Jackson kind of funny because like because what I love is there, there is no consistency to the way he says it. So like if every single time it cuts back to him and he says hamburger again, it is totally incongruous with any of the ways he said it previously. Well, and it's because it's such an anchorman or forty year old virgin yeah. moment of like just make funny noise. <laughs> 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 In, in a way that you say, I just don't think this, this would happen to Steve Martin. Do you think he had a good time making this film? I, I don't know. Because, like, he's, he's done so many bad movies. Yeah. Especially, like, in the last, like, 20 years. Yeah. We, we all know he, he just does them so he can buy more rare banjos. <laughs> and, like, buy priceless art or whatever. Yeah. And, like, be, being that level of, like, famous and successful on a film set where you are the star must be enjoyable to a certain extent. Yeah. Cause like he, he could easily just not do any more movies. He, yeah. he could just do like, some would argue he should. <laughs> like he, he could just do stand up comedy tours with Martin Short for the rest of your lives. And like people in their sixties would go along and be like, Oh, this is delightful. Yeah. Yeah. It's just so bizarre because it's so like, there are a couple of good jokes. There's a good joke where they come to a recording studio and someone <laughs> says, don't enter while light is flashing and the light is flashing on and off. So and he, 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 he holds the door and he like braces against it. And he, you can see he's just like he's looking, but he's trying to like time out like <laughs> when it's going to be on, when it's going to be off. And as soon as, as soon as the light goes off, he opens the door and like runs in. Good yeah. gag. Yeah, it's a good gag. But all of the big gags in it, uh, hollow and airless. Yeah. Like, I think it was mentioned on a comedy bad movie podcast uh, called, called The Flop House. Maybe you've heard it. <laughs> uh, it was mentioned once on, on that show. They're, right. they're, talking, they're talking about like the, the original Pig Panther movies. And uh, they're talking about how, like, in, in all those movies, anytime, it, 
the, the stuff that's funny is when Peter Sellers is like put in a situation and can do funny stuff. Mm-hmm. All the stuff that's really unfunny is when there is a giant set piece built around like here's like a crazy piece of machinery or here's like an action scene. That stuff sucks. And I think that that holds true in this movie as well. So you're telling me there is another podcast where comedians discuss films. Look, I've had it up to here with this assembly. (laughs) Look, we we should come clear. We looked at the survey and we're like, that's a lot of comedians watching bad films. What if we watched a good movie and a bad movie? Yeah. I, there's even there. Do you know there are people in Wellington who have a podcast where they only watch okay films? <laughs> <laughs> but when he gets into this, brings us to Beyonce, who he breaks into the the musical hall where she is recording with yeah. a full orchestra, yep. wearing only a bra. Well, and and like and like a blazer over it. Yeah, but it's still like wearing a bra as a top. Yeah, like the film is for children. <laughs> Yeah, but it's also, it's got to have something for daddy. But there's so much. <laughs> there's, there's too much. There's a scene where um, Stephen Martin is in, is having a press conference when he's being announced, and the one journalist who asked a question has just such a conspicuous uh, amount of cleavage. Uh, one of the lowest cut tops I've ever seen in a, in a movie. It, it isn't is, about women wearing low cut tops. And you just, I just, is this support the like, girls? Oh, is this scene directed by Michael, by Michael Bay? <laughs> yeah, it, it, is Megan Fox going to wash his car now? Well, and it is. Oh, it's all about support for girls. What a, what a film. <laughs> It's fine. I, I, I like it a lot. Is that, is that Andrew, Andrew Bajowski? Yeah. I just wish it had been made by a man. I wish it hadn't it been, been made man, by yeah. a man. Yeah, no, it's fair. It has the male gaze. And, like, that is the thing. Like, the weirdest thing about the going back to the Big Panther is just how much of the male ga- Like, it just really feels like films rated PG shouldn't leer at women. Yeah, I mean, I, to- I totally agree. No, you're shaking your head, like, and rolling your eyes. <laughs> See, the thing, listeners, that you should know about Finn, he's a real hound dog. He, lo- he loves the ladies. The ladies love him. He's beating them off with a shitty stick. This is where Beyonce is great, Yeah, in my opinion. She does She does all the Beyonce thing in it. Like, yeah. she's, not, she's not called upon to, to, to do a whole lot. Yeah. She's just, like, there to look like Beyonce mm. and be... I don't like she. She sort of set up as like, as like a, a femme fatale a bit, yeah. and then nothing happens with that. Oh, uh, I guess that's just like a, a red herring. But a large amount of her character motivation is finding out that her boyfriend cheated on her, and to make him regret it in the greatest way possible. Yeah. Have we heard that story before from Miss Yonce? <laughs> that's right. It's Lemonade. This is in two thousand and six. She, she was already laying the groundwork. She lemonaded before Lemonade. And I just wonder, how much money does Sean Levy get whenever someone listens to Lemonade? I don't know. I, I, it's one for one. Go back and check it. Check the tapes. So after Crusoe was attacked by a dog at TSA, he's, he's disgraced and he's kicked off the case. Yep. And uh, Kevin Klein tells him, you know, you're a you're an idiot and I only hired you to you know, make make you look like a fool so that yep. I could so I could win the glory and get the Legion d'honneur. And then things are sad for a bit. There's another yeah, legitimately good joke. There's like one of those scenes where like, you know, Shrek and the donkey have to break up. Uh, and Steve Martin is at home and he's on his computer and a news article comes up about... Yeah, it's like, about his failure. It's about how he's yeah. a sham. Oh, right, yeah. And he says... He says, that's not very nice. <laughs> the, the 
and no, he sarcastically says, "Oh, that makes me feel good." Oh, all right, yeah. <laughs> but we have missed. The and then, most- then he tries to download a ringtone, and all this electricity in Paris goes out for some reason <laughs> because he is an alien mesomorph connected to the very foundations of probability here to wreak havoc. While he was in New York, he, 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 see, he sees Beyonce, and Beyonce starts hitting on him. Well, I guess she, she was earlier because she's she's playing him for a fool, and but like so, she, like he he goes up to Beyonce's room with her at a hotel at, at the Waldorf Astoria because mm-hmm. they're in New York. And it's, that's the only hotel in New York, yep. and they're like in Beyonce's room, and she's like flirting with him like a bit mm-hmm. too much, and he's like, "Oh, I'm gonna have I'm gonna have sex with Beyonce." Mm-hmm. And he he goes into the bathroom. He he takes a flaming mojito that he has with him. Oh, cool. He takes a flaming mojito into the bathroom. Because he learned about flame mojitos from from Clive he takes a flame mojito into the bathroom and he's gonna he's gonna take a Viagra because this is a children's movie. He's gonna take a Viagra to fuck Beyonce in a children's movie, <laughs> and uh, because because he, he's he's a real goofus, he ends up like he ends up slipping out of his hands and he does like a whole thing where he's trying to catch it and it goes down the drain. Yeah. Oh no! How's he gonna get an erection to have sex with now? <laughs> with Beyonce in this children's movie, and this I can't remember in between it, but by the end of it. He falls through a hole in the ground. Well, yeah, yes. So, so he he wants he wants to get he wants to get the, this. <laughs> so he, he's trying to. So it, it's important to establish that Beyonce's room is on the second floor of the hotel. Yeah. But apparently, which is actually the first floor because Americans count the ground floor yeah. as the first. Yeah, and floor. that's just what one of one of the many failings of them as a culture. Yeah, the, 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 I would say it's the only failing. No, I, Okay, I'll, I'll tell you what the other one is, and the other one is the fact that they they don't use the letter U in the word color. Oh, and man. I fucking hate looking at the American spelling of color. It makes me genuinely uncomfortable. That is genuinely the worst association I have with American uses of the word color. <laughs> um. and so he, he, he's he's de- he's desperate. He is desperate to get his boner pill out of the drain <laughs> in this children's film to fuck Beyonce, and he starts like pulling the pipes out of the walls <laughs> to try and like. To try and get it, he he pulls the pipes out of the walls. Water starts shooting everywhere. He puts his mouth on the bottom of a drain and like blows into it. And the Viagra pill shoots up out of the drain and somehow lands in his flame mojito, which yeah. makes it explode. Yeah, of course. And sets all of the draperies in this bathroom on fire. <laughs> and then so, suddenly, like the entire room is on fire and water shooting everywhere. I mean, he runs into the sh- he runs runs into the shower and turns the shower on. Starts trying to like spray things. Starts trying to like spray these flaming draperies with the shower, and then he pulls a shower out of a wall. And then more water shooting everywhere, and water's d- just accumulating on the floor. And then we cut down to the reception area, and some fancy people are checking in. And then water starts like dripping down, and you look up at the ceiling. You're like, oh, you can see a wet spot forming on the ceiling. <laughs> It's like living in any New Zealand flat, but the first three months are three minutes. But also, it's like this is like one of the like most prestigious hotels in the world, and yeah. it's like like apparently apparently the floors are made of cardboard. Yeah, there's like there's like there's like two inches of water on the floor, and, and immediately. But the really important thing is no smoke alarms in no. the Waldorf Astoria. After a while, Beyonce starts to wonder what he's doing in there because there's a lot of crazy noises. Yeah. And she she comes in, she opens the door, she sees the room on fire. <laughs> my, my second favorite Strokes album. She's a room on fire, water covering the floor, and she looks at Steve Martin, and then the, the floor 
Oh, we missed the only good gag in this scene. <laughs> what, what? It's, it's, so, what, what, one of the things that Inspector Clouseau is obsessed with throughout the movie is like security and making sure like every room he's in is secure <laughs> from like uh, like assailants or bugs or whatever. And for most of the movie, this is uh, dumb and tedious. But in, in the scene where he goes into Beyonce's room, he's like checking for like hidden like for hidden like recording devices and stuff. And he lifts up a carpet and he sees like a hatch in the floor. He opens the hatch and he sees some sort of wire and he's like, this is a recording device. So he pulls out his tiny, hilarious pair of like of scissors yeah. and he, he cuts this like this tiny wire and he closes the hatch and you just hear like the sound of like something dropping and it cuts down to the <laughs> lobby and you just see the giant chandelier on the ceiling just like falling onto the ground and shattering. It's great because no one gets hurt. It's, it's like, yeah, like when yeah. no one is injured. Yeah, it's, it's the one. It's for one like big gag in the movie that doesn't involve a human like life being snuffed out. <laughs> it is to, like I get, we should go back to his opening montage because the first thing we see him do is uh, he's trying to help an old man in a wheelchair. Yeah, this man's electric wheelchair has stopped in the middle of the street. Is like blocking traffic. Big issue. If, if, if he, he, you know, you're, you're like a small town police officer. That's the sort of thing you're supposed to help with. Yeah. You know, um, you're, so, you're, you're supposed to be like, sort of like, you know, a helpful, a helpful face in the community. Yeah. And so he inspects the the workings of wheelchair and discovers that the power is misconnected. There's a blue positive, red, red negative, negative. Uh, and of course he puts them on the wrong points. <laughs> And then, make, and then makes the, he tells the guy, I fix your wheelchair, and the like, battery connections being backwards somehow means that the wheelchair goes backwards, and when this man tries at to push it forward, he, he goes backwards at like, oh, the speed of a car. <laughs> yeah. Like, this, this electric wheelchair <laughs> shoots backwards at the speed of a car, and he like, blasts through a metal railing, <laughs> Like and and, and flying and, and falls no he's like he falls down yeah, somewhere right. never to be seen again and just this, this wheelchair bound septuagenarian has been murdered <laughs> by the hero within two minutes of a film starting it's just a real sense of Clouseau as like a final destination <laughs> yeah. style he, agent of death. Oh, a- absolutely. Like, that man had a vision of, like, an explosion at a racetrack <laughs> or something, and Steve Martin's come back to punish him. I can't remember how he killed the... Because he kills an old woman as well. Does oh. he just hit her with a car, maybe? Oh, no, he... When they're driving to to the scene to to, to, yeah. to, help, the, to help the old man, uh, he, he puts the, like... He puts the flashing lights on the top of the police car, but he doesn't like attach it properly. So when they go around a corner, it just shoots off and like, like again, back into the left, like hits an old woman right in the middle of the head, <laughs> and she just falls over, oh. horrifying, like true, truly horrifying cinema. But let's get back to the core debate of the day: Hobbs and Shaw versus the Pink Panther. Okay, here is my specific because both have Emily Mortimer, as in Pink Panther, being written to inexplicably be in love with Steve Martin. Yeah. And of course, Hobbs and Shaw has Vanessa Kirby. Vanessa Kirby, yeah. Who is great. Who's great and forced to be attracted to the rock. Well, she's also forced to be the, like, five years younger sibling of Jason Statham, a man who is 25 years older than her. Yeah, but I also buy buy either Vanessa Kirby being older than she looks or Statham being younger than he looks. Yeah. And neither of those things are gross. Yeah. Emily Mortimer in this film 
makes a decision to play the material as sincere. So genuinely tries to create a scenario in which it seems like she is, is gen- genuinely falling in, like an adult human woman who is not insane yep. is genuinely falling in love with with Stephen Martin. Yeah, which is insane. Yeah, it makes no sense. It would be like if I- 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 any judge who would who would allow that marriage, <laughs> like, is is a bad judge. Yeah, it seems morally wrong. <laughs> Whereas Vanessa Kirby and Hobbs and Shaw. Overall, I'd say a worse film than The Pink Panther. Yes. I mean, Pink Panther does not have Eddie Marsden with a flamethrower. Eddie Marsden with... But um, the way she plays it in Hobbs and Shaw is as this character who, like, the rock is into her and she's like, oh, fine, I'll go along <laughs> with this to get shit done. Like, she plays the ulterior motive yeah. outside of the film. And that, I think, makes it better than The Pink I, I, Panther. I think, I think that's a great... I think that's a great argument. I think that's, I just cannot, the thing that strikes me about the Pink Panther is that I don't understand how anyone, I can understand how there are many films you can watch and be like, this is bad, but I understand how people making it think it's good. Yeah. Like I can, like Rise of Skywalker, a bad film. I can understand how J.J. Abrams thinks it's good. Yeah, but that's because JJ. That, that, that's yeah, no, no, JJ but, but you just, but you just, it's a, ta- it's almost. I, 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 I don't think anyone who is like an actor of that movie in Rise of Skywalker at any point thought we're making a good movie, I, except for like Greg Grunberg, fucking <laughs> JJ Abrams puts in all his movies. Um, I, but it is the thing of like Pink Panther. Imagine reading that script, being on set, being the person who greenlighted it yeah. in the editing room, and seeing but any moment of that and thinking, yes. People would pay for this. Uh, people did it. Got a sequel. It made enough money to get a sequel. I know, but I admit, oh, Jean Reno is the only one who came back, well, along with Steven. Yeah. Even the director did not return. I just, we should, dis- to, to end our discussion of the Pink Panther, we should discuss the ending of the film. Ooh, like, so I, I, over the past few years, I've watched a lot of like difficult cinema. Yeah, like, yes. I, that's what I know you for. Yeah, that and your very strong feelings about Fugazi. Oh, don't get me started. <laughs> I, I watch a lot of movies with a lot of like very upsetting stuff happening in them, yeah. and I, I, I think that like you know, it's 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 important to like to to engage with like art that is challenging and uncomfortable. Yeah, but the final scene in the Pink Panther, the final, final two scenes, have some of the most like. <laughs> Some of the, the most like horrifying. It makes it more horrifying, but it's like all the all the violence is played is like totally slapstick. But like a per a man, you see a man being just destroyed. Like <laughs> I mean, it's, so Kevin Klein, and Jean Reno, and Stephen Martin are at um, the, the ceremony where they just received the, the Legion d'Honneur. Yeah, um, but Kevin Klein didn't get it. He's bitter. He says something mildly insulting, and so Cluzo knowingly, everything he, we're yeah. about to describe, he yeah. does so, deliberately. So, so Kevin Klein's standing right next to a car, cl- close, clo- close the door, and Kevin Klein's jacket is still, like, the corner of it is still stuck in the door. Yeah. And he, he says something like, no, don't drive, or something like that. <laughs> yeah. And and Steve, and Cluzo just starts driving. Yeah, at speed. And Klein is flung to the ground at a speed that is jarring and not yeah. comic. And, and we get an extended scene of, of 
of John Renault and Stephen Martin talking in the car. Well, the only impression... Making explicit, they know they are dragging a man behind them. (laughs) And all you can see in your head is, like, this poor corpse at this point being shredded by the gravel road. It cuts back to Kevin Kline. Yeah, being dragged along a a gravel road (laughs) after this hilarious gag goes on for a while. It just seems so... It's all you can think looking at it is, like, that would be the most painful thing to happen to a human. I, I, I cannot even imagine how awful that would be. I don't imagine how it could get worse. Cut to, he's in hospital. He, he's, he's, in he, he's, he's in traction. His, his, old, his, all of his limbs are broken. He's got some sort of like neck brace. Yeah. Like, he's, he's just, his, his face is just only bruises. Kevin Klein has committed to the interiority of the situation. He's playing with the real aches and pains yeah. of that moment. But like, also, the, the people like, who, the people who put all the fake bruises on him, they didn't need to put that many fake bruises. <laughs> if, if you're making a comedy film, you can just like put his leg up in traction, that's funny, we get the joke. But like, he is, he is a man ruined. <laughs> and Emily Mortimer, Steve Martin, and Jean Reno are there to mock this, probably, <laughs> to, to mock this broken man. <laughs> and then, very quickly, Clouseau, is he, he, he like, jumping on the bed. He, he, he like decides that, oh, Kevin Klein, you, you, you must be uncomfortable. Let me like, you know, help you recline your bed. And so he's looking for the lever that reclines it, but it's on the other side of the bed, so he has to like lean over, and then he's just, he's, he's just like on him, and he's just climbing on him. He is, <laughs> and it, he is bodily wrestling with an already sick, and damaged man, and then he starts like hitting buttons. Well, so he, 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 he finally gets the lever, and the bed just drops down like a good two, like, yeah. good, like half a meter. Yeah, with well, Sivan still on top of him, and then Sivan finally finds permanent spinal damage. Yeah, definitely, possible total limb death. Sivan finally finds the remote, and he starts just fucking with all the buttons, and it's going up, it's going down, it's yeah. shaking all around. Yeah, and like. I feel and throughout like, all of this, there are like cries of pain from Kevin Klein. <laughs> and I feel like the context is like, Kevin Klein was a little bit of a dick. Yeah. Like, he brought Clouseau in to be a cover, but like, he hasn't done anything and said one mean thing. He hasn't been particularly villainous. No. He does not deserve this. No, but now it's turned into like Bad Boy <laughs> Bubby or something. <laughs> and, and then, on pressing the buttons... The hospital bed. Well, no, as, 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 as Simon and Emily Walker and John Rowe are leaving, uh, they, they actually like kick the, the, like, the brake on the hospital bed. Yeah. And because by law, all French hospitals are built on a downward slope, <laughs> the, the bed starts rolling out of, downstairs. It, it rolls down a full uh, hallway. At this point, no one tries to stop. No one tries to stop him. Um, at this point, Kevin Klein should be glad that his spine is seven, because then he's free of the agony. It, it, it rolls down the hallway, rolls down, like, multiple flights of stairs. Lingering on it. Ends up yeah. crashing out of a window at such speed that it rockets, like, over, like, well, it's like seven or eight feet up, seven or eight yeah. stories up. Yeah. yeah. Like, rockets out of this, like, eight-story building. Down into the sin, still, he's still tied into a hospital bed <laughs> in traction, falls a, at least 50 or 60 meters into the sin, yeah. dead. Absolutely. No argument. He's, and, and being like, well, like, it, like, cuts you, back, it cuts back to our three heroes, our three best buddies. And they'll give like a quizzical look, and the movie cuts to black. <laughs> it, it is. <laughs> 
you missed the finest detail, which is that as he is thrown from the window into the sea, he screams out, Kalooza! <laughs> I feel like, to, to represent, like, I hope the listeners understand the cr- casual cruelty of it. And I'll just, one more example. So, um, they echo a scene from the original or possibly the sequ- the second Peter Sellers uh, Clouseau film where he's playing with a large globe and it gets away and it rolls off and you hear it hit someone off screen and the ADR line they've decided <laughs> to, to put on this person has been hit by a giant globe is ow it's crushed it, it has, it's, <laughs> it's crushed my leg like yeah. if, if you're making a comedy you, you you do that joke by having it roll off screen and you hear something shatter off screen and someone go, ah, that's or, a joke. Or, I'm okay. Yeah, yeah, all that. <laughs> Crushed is precisely the wrong verb. But then, like, that's only, like, that's the beginning of the gag. Because then it rolls out of a door, down some more steps. Hits some ro- Tour de France. Yeah, hits, hits a bunch of bicyclists, or oh. cyclists. They all fall off their bikes. I mean, like... In, in the other, in the scene we mentioned earlier, where Puzo and, and Jean Reno like uh, uh, where they injure a different bicyclist, uh, so after, after that cyclist gets back up and gets back yeah. onto his bike, he's knocked over again <laughs> by by, me. by by that globe. It's just the worst. It is, yeah, it's torture porn. So, with all of that in mind, shite or sound, look. As much as I found some of this movie to be funny, this is this is shite. I feel like also a thing with flagging is that a lot of our laughter now is in retrospect, and it's not us remembering times we laughed during the film. Yeah, but most of the times we laughed during the film were when we thought, "Oh no, <laughs> why are they doing this?" Yeah, we were always laughing at. Like, I don't. Think yeah, it, it's it's like in, in it's like if you're watching Green Room, where Anton Yelchin's arm is hacked open, and you're like, oh, 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 oh right, yeah, yeah. It is. It's the noise you make during an especially spicy killing, yeah. in in a saw. It would not be difficult to turn this film into hostile. Oh, absolutely. It would be soundtrack entirely. Yeah. So with that, I'm you saying, you edit in like a couple of ADR screams. Yeah. yeah, and to go on the record, I also believe it is shite. Now let us briefly enter bad segment corner. <laughs> so, do you have any bad segments you want to pitch for this episode? <laughs> no, I think you should start. Okay, so I, I, I've already had conspiracy corner. <laughs> oh no, okay, that's fair. I, I, I want to, I want to pitch a, uh, uh, I want to pitch a segment where we are. Uh, Two like river, river patrol officers, and we we have found Kevin Klein's corpse <laughs> in the sand. Okay, but okay. we also have to do French accents. <laughs> Shh, mon, mon Dieu, there's <laughs> the laws. Is it is that a dead body? Oh no! It, how is it floating? It is strapped to a medical bed. Oh no! That's the chief inspector. Oh, oh, police, that's the boss. This is clearly a sign. <laughs> we should not leave the. We should leave this. <laughs> Someone did this to send a message, <laughs> and I do not want to be the recipient. <laughs> okay, so what do you think those French inspectors should react to in Madame de? Uh, okay, um, Zutalos, <laughs> these earrings again? <laughs> that's, pre- that's pretty much yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> you no, got it. You got one. I think you're right. I think that's a very bad segment. Yeah, I'm glad we're not going to do it. What are we doing? Next week, Imitation of Life, yeah. right? Douglas Sirk. Um, do you have, have you got a pitch for what to go, 
what, what uh, trash to wash it down with. I've got a pitch. Yeah. What happened to baby Jane? Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, good pitch. I feel like it's the first true test because both of those films, over two hours. Right, okay. Uh, we might go insane. Possibly. It's going to get real bad when, when we get to <laughs> Satan Tango, which <laughs> is nine hours long, and the movie I've paired that with is Empire, the Andy Warhol <laughs> movie that's just a single shot of the Empire State Building. Just in the same, just uh, to give people background, we just watched these films. We're in my living room. <laughs> I say mine. Um, it belongs to everyone who lives here. I'm not, I don't. I'm just, yeah, all, 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 as as you know, all, all property is theft. <laughs> well, this, I, this, this belongs this belongs to the people. Yeah, and I well, it's also like I'm the only man that lives here, and I hate I'd hate the idea of it being like just my house. And, and oh, okay, I thought you were going to go the exact opposite direction of that. I'm mean, like, <laughs> oh, I'm the only man who lives here, so it's mostly mine. <laughs> no, <laughs> I don't believe that even insincerely. <laughs> I think women are great. I'm a feminist. I'm the one good man. That is, yeah. I'm happy to accept that. Like people have said to me, you for Dean, renowned male feminist, <laughs> the only one. The only, everyone else is just an ally, and they're bad allies. Uh, like you, for yep, instance. absolutely. I'm <laughs> like before. You know how we were talking about how Beyonce has a scene where she's just wearing a bra and a blazer throughout. Finn was saying, I was salivating <laughs> and saying, I was making a wooga noise. <laughs> homina, homina. <laughs> Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I was had like really good pronunciation line. Homina, 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 Now we need to find a way to finish these. Yeah, should we? I feel like it's too obvious to recommend good films. Yeah, I, I, I also thought about that. And like, but mm. like the real recommendation is absolutely watch the earrings of Madame. Yeah, that, that's a, that's a fantastic movie. One bit of sincere reviewing. Pink Panther is ten minutes shorter. Feels. <laughs> Five years longer. Yeah. And, and, great. Like, Good time. Pink, Pink Panther is an hour and 32 minutes. I could watch The Irishman twice in the time it took me to watch The Pink Panther. It's not... And it's not fun. It's not... No, to to fear to fear the shadow for a moment. It's not good bad. There, there are moments that that, that, are, that are good bad. Yeah, but but yeah yeah as 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 a piece it is. Uh, it, it is not. It is not. It is not good. Bad. Yeah. It, congratulations, Sean Levy, director of all three Nine at the Museums, cheaper and cheaper by the dozen. You finally churned out a stinker. <laughs> no wonder he did not come back for two, yeah. which I presume we'll match with uh, next time. Jules turn up. Be nice to check in on the series. There must be no Pink Panther films on the BFI no, no, list. No, no, absolutely not. Um, is there a reason you've gone for... Because it's a list of 250. Yeah. You want to do from 101 up, yeah. right? My main thing with that is just like 250. That, that's a that, that's that's a five, that's a five-year engagement starring Emily Blunt yeah. and Jason Segel. Oh, fuck. You're right. And, and Alison Brie and Chris Pratt. Oh, wow. Never seen it. Yeah, no. no I got no, All I can think about is Horse Girl. If yeah. we're doing... I, I need to rewatch Horse, Horse Girl. <laughs> just because I've been angry at you about it, but no, like, yeah, I, I think that is a movie I'd enjoy more on rewatch. No, many, many people who I respect don't like. Horse yeah, well, like, same with me. Like, uh, basically, everyone I follow on Letterboxd just like thinks it's shit. No, they're wrong. Yeah, um, but like, only I know what the good films and bad films are. It's my curse. Alison uh, Brie's so fucking good in Horse Girl. If, I, I wish that movie was getting like any respect because that is that's a that's a. Really good performance that well, is not going to get any recognition. Well, and it also feels like that and Thoroughbreds are designed to be uh, like 
horse adjacent Netflix double yeah. bill starring women you recognise but maybe can't name. Who both um, both movie star uh, women who are in movies about, about witchcraft. I mean, almost everyone has been in a film about witchcraft. Anya Taylor Joy from Fire Reds was in The Witch. Alison yep. Brie was in The Little Hours, where it turns out all the nuns are witches. Um, it's pronounced the Vivitch. Of course, no, okay, I'm sorry. It's, it's pronounced Midsommar. <laughs> Surprising no one to end our first podcast. We, we enjoy we A24 like films. Yep. No, we're, we're two A24 boys. Uh, we are, but we're not like embarrassing A24 boys. Yeah, no, we like other films. For instance, um, I talked about how I like Fight Club. I love Blade Runner. <laughs> you, you saw my giant book about Blade Runner? Yep. It's a very interesting book. W- w- one of my favorite things about like being in like like Facebook groups about like movies is... <sighs> yeah, I know. No, look. I just can't do it. I hate humans. No, yeah, no fear. But like, there's there's one thing which is like all the fucking like all, all, all the groups I'm in are like more pretentious than like the age. They all look like A24 fans. Like they're a bunch of fucking losers, yeah. and they're they're always like like people who are like two into A24 and will yep. just like post like screenshots of any movie that's been good in history mm. to like A24 groups and just be like does anyone else get A24 vibes from Lawrence of Arabia <laughs> anyway we should we should end here yeah invent a sign off go uh, movies are good go watch them even bad ones watch two movies together that you don't think should go together maybe you'll find interesting stuff Which is to protect the rich people and only kill the only kill the poor. I've always doubted William Gates. There's something about him. Maybe it's the billions of dollars. <laughs> Maybe it's how cruel he was to Steve Wozniak. No, no. That's, no. That's, Steve Wozniak was from Apple. That's right. That's, they're all the same. It's, yeah, it's man. all the same guy. They're all the same men. All, all the same guys with beards. It was my favorite part of the Aaron Sorkin film. Uh, uh, Jobs, Jobs. <laughs> well, no, Steve, Steve Jobs was the Aaron Sorkin one. Jobs was the Ashton Kutcher one. Yeah, okay. Steve Jobs was at the end after walking off stage. Michael Fassbender removed his Mission Impossible style flesh mask to reveal Steve Buscemi as Bill Gates. Like it was great. Uh, I'm here with my little sister Kate to, to talk about one of her favorite movies, The Pink Panther, starring Steve Martin. And so what, what, what is it that you, that you like about this movie so much? It's just really funny, like, when he falls off the balcony and people are, like, taking pictures of him and he's just in his own world and he doesn't even realise. He's, he's, he's a bit silly, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. So is this your favourite Steve Martin movie, or...? Um, hmm. Well, I would... Yes, it is. Okay, so you 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 like this more than the than the Chief of Bible dozen movies? Yes, but that's a very very like slim slim, slim margin, yeah. So what what happens in in the Pink Panther? Well, he, he there's like this giant jewel stealing thing, and then he's one of the top like investigators, and he has to work with the team. And then at the end, he realizes that one person in the team is the jewel thief. Oh. But... Oh, is there, is there another twist? Yes. Oh. At the beginning, he swapped his, um... What's it called? A... 
the copy of his. All right. And with the actual one. And then, so, the jewel thief had stolen the copy. That's, that's a lot of twists. Yeah. So, what, 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 do you think the film, what do you think the film is saying about French society? Um, that French people are stupid. Yeah? Yeah. Is that, do you think that, that, that's what it's saying? Yeah. Pretty much, yeah. So, how, 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 would, how would you rate the movie? Is it shite or is it sound? Sound. Sound, okay. And if, if you had to compare it to Max Ophel's 1953 film, The Earrings of Madame Dare, how, how, how would you do that? 